got it locked on Rodeo Radio. Hey, Tony, drop that. What, please? I bet. Dr. Dre in the place to be. Co rocking shit with my homeboy Steve. After Rodeo, get stupid, son. Yo. Don't think that you can get none of Trey The motherfucking doctor The bitch hopper The sucker motherfucker stopper I'm fucked up so don't mind what I'm saying I'm just kicking it But Steve, Tony, A and Susan Yo, we can choose it Dope shit to put in a mix Know what I'm saying? We kick shit like And, and That's a fact And if your shit ain't in a mix You know it's swag And that ain't no bullshit Kicking facts on a serious tip. Word up, Dr. Dre's in full effect doing serious damage, boy. Tony A! Tony A! When you're ready, go. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodion Radio, episode 119. And before I introduce my one of my special guests, the ones you guys all been waiting for, uh, I got a couple of announcements, okay? First announcement is this. Once again, we are selling ads during our breaks. So if you buy an ad, uh, you could buy one ad. You could buy two weeks worth of ads. You could buy uh, one month worth of ads. You got to go to documixery forward slash ads documixery forward slash ads for those of you that want to promote your business for those of you that want to promote your album your makeup your merch whatever you you know you do if you want to buy an ad uh, once again somebody may ask why would i want to buy an ad because we get about uh half a million views on our channel every month so uh, once again, every one of our episodes averages about 10K. So you'll have at least about 10,000 people seeing your ad and it's good exposure for your business for those of you that are looking to prosper in your business. Uh, other than that, Wednesday, this Wednesday, uh, I will be live on Be Real's Dr. Green Thumb from 2 to 4 two to four so i need all the rhodium radio warriors to show up dr green thumb be real live wednesday two to four i will be one of his guests uh we're gonna have a great time um you know what it, it was an honor when he called me and hit me up and he said let me get you on here papa and i was like let's do it so i'll be there wednesday now i'll be back in time for rhodium radio on Wednesday at seven o'clock, but we're not going to have an interview, but we, we, me and my team here are going to give all you guys a special gift, a special treat. We will, we will still be going live, but it's going to be something different and we're going to bless you guys. So, but with that being said, uh, please allow me to introduce to you my first guest of the night, Tony, also known as AOG from Dark Room Familia, former darkroom familia artist. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, brother. I'm good, man. You know what? Today's Sunday. It's the day that I either eat menudos and tamales or pozole and tamales, and I just watch football all day and just relax. You know. That's right, man. Yeah, I'm a bum on Sundays. So, right. but then I gotta come back and get ready and interview people like you, which yeah. I have a great time doing. Amen. So, um, first, first and foremost, let me ask you: How was the drive coming over here? Um, it wasn't too bad. Okay. Not too bad at all. No? Mm. How, how many hours was that drive, you think? Oh, 
man. What was it, like six hours? The way you drive for? <laughs> yeah. I used to be a truck driver, bro, so I used to come to L.A. a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I drove truck for about 12 years. Okay. So I came, I used to come to like Vernon, East Los, and um, Long Beach to the port. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Long Beach is right next door. Yeah. So okay. I used to go to the port a lot. Okay, now um, let's back up to like maybe Friday. How has your weekend been? What have you been doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Cutting hair, man. <laughs> so a, is that what you do? I do. Yeah, I'm a barber in Merced in my hometown. So, um, yeah, just I try to cut right now during these times, bro. They're, you know, trying to shut us down, you know, with the lockdown right. and everything. Right. So I'm trying to do as much as I can right now. Okay. You know? Okay. But, yeah. You enjoy cutting hair? I do. It's something I wish I would have done earlier, like started sooner in my life, you know, because, um, you know, I, but it's only been, what, four years now, going on four years, and I'm already 44. Okay. So, um, but man, it's, it's it's such an awesome platform. Okay. To be able to have someone in your chair for 30 minutes to an hour and speak life into them or just hear them, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got a lot of dirt and a lot of people, you know right. what I'm saying? But I mean that, you know, because people like to uh, vent. Vent. They like to vent a lot, you know what okay. I'm saying? But um, it's, it's an awesome thing to do, man. Awesome. Yeah. Do you ever get guys in there that wanted that dumb and dumber haircut, you know, where it's just the... You know, they kind of still want that, but they try to modernize it. Okay. Today, they, there's this, you know, they comb, you know, a lot of young kids. Right. They comb their hair forward. Right. They get a low taper, you know, with the, it's like maybe a number four with the grain and they just line it up. It looks kind of like that. Dumb and dumber. That dumb and dumber one, man. I don't yeah. want to say nothing though, but you know, it's, it's, it's I'm saying it. It's I'm a style, it. you know what I'm saying? I guess, yeah. you know? I mean, because I like that movie. I like Jim Carrey. I love it, yeah. So, it's one know, of my favorite movies. That's pretty much where that style came from. Yeah. Right. You know what's my favorite part of that movie when he tells that girl? So you're telling me there's a chance. I'm letting, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I remember so, that. And that's how most guys are. When a girl likes her picture on Instagram, they right away think, I think she likes me. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. So, it is. so okay, now let me ask you this. Where, uh, well, uh, I, I, man, because you know what? I There's so much that I want to ask and so much is going through my mind. But right. let, let me ask you this. Where originally are you from? I was born in Merced, okay, okay, which is in the Central Valley. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in a small town called Lee Grand. Okay, yeah, a lot of cows and <laughs> farm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, but uh, you know, like they say, you know, somos pocos pero locos. You know what I mean? Right, and right. So it was a small town, but growing up and you know the way it was, man, we 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 found ways to get in trouble. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was always little, you know mishaps out of town with you know i don't want to say rivals but um you know people from the surrounding areas but right, you know right no it's the same thing here same mm -hmm. thing here you know what we uh you know we didn't have social media right you know so uh and we didn't have the internet we didn't have google we didn't have youtube so we had to go play outside Another, yeah. you know me and my brothers used to go play like in the at, in the dumps ride our bikes yeah. or one or and we had a couple of coins we'll go to the arcade yeah those were fun times mm -hmm. i read a quote one time that, that it read uh thank god i had a childhood before technology took over yeah I have you read that, co that quote. Yeah. Now, I know you said there was cows over Did you guys ever go cow tipping? Uh, when we got high, yeah, we tried to, you know. I mean, there wasn't really nothing more to do, but we used to hit the arcades también. There was a little town outside of the Grand called Planada. And, um, you know, right there on Broadway, we used to go to this arcade. It was a pool hall. Uh-huh. You know, but, you know, they had arcades. You know, I remember um, Donkey Kong. Yeah. You know, all those, Zaxxon. I don't know if you remember Zaxxon. Um, 
Contra, like a bunch of those yeah. that were arcade games back then, before they were on Sega and all that other stuff, right? And um, yeah, dude, I mean, it was like a like a cantina también, but you know, it's you know they let a bunch of us kids in there shooting pool as long as we didn't you know try and slip some beers, <laughs> you know. But you know, back then I was a skater también, so like I would always ride my board there, and uh, I'd get dropped off there in Planada from Lee Grand, hang out with a couple of friends there from school, you know, and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, that was, those were the days to get dirty, man. Yeah, you know, and don't be afraid to get dirty. I used to love those days, especially when you used to climb up a tree and jump off or play hide and seek. Yeah. Now today, everything's texting and PlayStation or Xbox. Yeah, the only problem kids have now is with their eyes, man, because the the screen's too close, or you know, you know <laughs> no more stitches, no more. You know what I mean? The good old days, saving the scab and putting it in a jar for beef jerky. You know what I mean? No. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, those were things that were fun back in my day. Yes, man. yes, yes. You know, I saw a meme not too long ago that had a bunch of kids sitting at a bus stop, and they were all looking down, texting, and Bigfoot walked right by them. Uh, Nobody knew it. Yeah. So that was freaking hilarious. Yeah. But uh, now let me ask you this. Uh, growing up, this is I like to ask a lot of goofy questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, man. Dude, there was a bunch of them. God, I don't know if I can narrow it down, but, man, I love Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is one of my Doo. favorites. I mean, Shaggy, and they were, you always knew they were high or they something. They were always high. Always high. You can just tell. Um, I love also cartoons. I don't know if you remember these. You probably do. But do you remember Mask or Centurions? Centurions, yes. And then there was uh, Silver, uh, was it Silverhawks, um, Thundercats. Thundercats, Gobots. Yeah. Uh-huh. All those, bro. I used to love oh, watching no. all those cartoons, man. Uh, my favorite one has to be Scooby-Doo. I love Scooby-Doo. Because yeah. I, I, I always liked the scary mystery stuff. Andale, you yeah. know? And it was always an old man at the end, you know? Yeah. You know, if, I would have gotten away if it wasn't for you, Rotten Kids. They always said. And, and, you know, the ones I liked a lot were the when they had special guests on there. Like mm -hmm. Batman and Robin, Joker. Or the, the Harlem Globetrotters. The Globetrotters. Yeah, those no. were the ones, man. Um they had other ones on there too. Uh, I can't remember any other, that, you know, but uh, those were the, the best ones, man. And the plots were always the same. Yeah. Plots were always the same, but they were always like, they had you on the edge of your seat. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you already yeah. knew what was gonna happen. <laughs> you knew they were gonna find out who it was, but you know, yeah. All good, man. Are you a movie guy? I am. Yeah, well, uh, give me your top five all time best movies. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, okay. My Cousin Vinny. Oh yeah, that was, I just saw that one the other day. Yeah, I know, me too. We let our kids watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Two what? Two youths. Um, que mas? Oh man, uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Scarface, gotta be. You know, it's just good actors. Oh man, number one. I, can't, I was saving the best for last though. Which one? Blood in, blood out. Really? Oh man, I love that movie, bro. Oh, okay, okay. I do. That 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 that's a cool movie. You know, uh, uh, here I, I'm gonna share something with you that um, the label that I belong to, mm -hmm. they did a soundtrack to it. Yeah, I was supposed to do a song, uh, Disney, but they they did it under. Um, I'm trying to remember the record label. It wasn't Hollywood Records. It wasn't Hollywood Basic, but uh, they had a uh, they had many different labels there. Mm -hmm. But they wanted me to do a song, and we were so busy, we never never got a chance to do it for that movie. Yeah. So they just released a soundtrack of all oldies, like Rick James, James Brown, or yeah. whatever. I had the CD, the yeah. soundtrack, yeah. But it, there was supposed to be like some hip-hop music in there. Okay. Not in the movie, yeah. but just like an oldie soundtrack, and then a hip-hop soundtrack. Right, right. But okay. it never happened. 
But uh, I'll give you mine. I think I gave them not too long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is not an order. Gladiator. Oh, that's uh, good um, um, Carlitos Way. Andale, yeah. Okay. Passion of the Christ. Mm -hmm. I would have to say one of my favorite ones, and I recommend it if you guys never seen it, The Pianist. I heard of that. You got to see it. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't remember the other one, but I remember I gave him not too long ago, but... You know, I do. The reason why I like Blood and Blood Out so much, though, is because every line in that movie is exaggerated. Yes. And it's. Even Chochon. It's kind of funny, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of those lines, like the most, the funniest part of that movie, to be honest with you, is at the end. Towards the end, um, I think when they're rioting and then when magic hits the hits the bars and he turns around and he goes, you're making a horrible mistake. And I was like, who says horrible mistake in a, right. you know what I mean? Like, to me, it just sounded kind of weird, you know, that he would say, use that line. But, um, yes, you know, but it's a good movie, man. It's a good movie. Growing up, mm -hmm. um, what elementary, middle school, and high school did you go to, if you don't mind sharing? I uh, went to uh, Lee Grand Elementary School. And for a little bit, I went to Lee Grand High until mm -hmm. they kicked me out. And I went to continuation school called Granada, mm -hmm. which is a mixture of Lee Grand and Planada. Mm -hmm. So they called it Granada, okay. in Planada. So, okay. so I went there until I got kicked out of there. Were you at all at any point a smart kid? Oh, God. I was smart, but lazy, bro. Like I never want, I never did my work. I was always out in the streets. Yeah. You know, I never went home and did my homework. Same here. You know, I mean, but I was, I mean, when it came to doing tests though, I, I would pass them. Right. Cause I was always listening, you know, but I just, I had bad grades cause I, I didn't do my homework. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? So. So you didn't get to graduate on stage. I graduated eighth grade. Um, I guess because they didn't want me there. I don't know, bro. But and I was the one that stood out, man. Everybody was in black and white, right? You know the guys. I was the only one with like a turquoise shirt with a black tie and black pants. You know, I stood out from the rest. Oh, wow. you know, and uh, so I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm graduating. I'm gonna take advantage, take this moment, you know. Right, right. And I did. At high school, I didn't graduate. Okay. No, I didn't graduate. High same, same, same thing. I think the only graduation I had was uh, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was no good in junior high, so but they passed me on anyways. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to high school, I graduated backstage. Yeah. Um, if you know what I mean, I didn't get to graduate. Oh, I, see. I just cruised around the graduation drinking a forty None with my brother. So, but um, but other than that, growing up, play any instruments? Oh yeah, really? Drums. Drums. Oh, yeah. around what time? When? What time? What age did you start playing drums? The moment I can pick up sticks, man. Really? Yeah, my first drum set. Um, they got me like this little Mickey Mouse set, you know. And uh, this was, uh, you know, they just got it because, you know, you know, a kid. They gave me that, you know, as a as a little baby or whatever toddler. Right. Started banging on them and this and that, and you know, and then like later on they started, you know, see again we're talking about what kids don't do anymore. Right. I was a kid. Do you remember back in the day they used to sell the Folgers coffee cans? Yes. But they were made out of tin? Yes. Now they're plastic, right? Well, they had like this plastic cover. When my grandma, when my abuelita would cut them out and she was done with the can, I used to put the plastic lid back on so they had the different sizes. So I had different tones, you mm -hmm. know, different drums. And then I used to put little holes in them and put like a, a rope through them and put them together. So I'd play, you know, and then, yeah, when I was in... um when I was uh, probably in fifth grade, I got my first 
real cheap drum set that they got for me and I had it in the corner of my room. Yeah. And oh man, I gave my mom migraines and everybody, bro. Like, and then when I moved in with my abuelita later on in the years, you know, I had, by this time I had like three sets already. Right. You know, just mixing matched or whatever. And I, my abuelita and my abuelito, they used to live right next door to the elementary school. So by this time, when I was already in continuation, we used to get home early, like around 12 o'clock, we'd get out. Well, they used to have to come and tell me to shut up because I was too loud disrupting the class. Yeah. You know, because I, I had two 15 speakers, some, you know, like studio speakers in there. Yeah. So I'd play whatever I'd had on, I'd be playing along with them. It sounded like I had a live band in there, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I've always loved playing drums. Now, every now and then I play drums in the church. He has, uh, we have an electric set so we can control the volume. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But I have a drum set at home in my garage. It ain't set up, but um, it's always been like my first love. Okay. You know? Now you played live drums and then, and you said in the church, you play like, I guess the, the drum set, the, the electric drums yeah. or whatever you call it. Yeah. Is there really a big difference? Do oh, you yeah. like live drums better? You know, um, you get what you pay for in a sense. So the most expensive ones are gonna sound more uh, acoustic. Right. You know, they got uh, like what they call like, um, like you can do actually do rim shots and they sound like a real, oh wow, um, a real set. Um, and there, there's other ones that are, you know, they're cheaper and you got to hit it right on in order to get sound out of it. Okay. You know, and you know, so yeah, the more, the more money you spend, the more authentic it's going to be, the more realistic it's going to be, you know? Okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I used to be skeptical with them, uh -huh. you know, until I was able to play one of those. And I was like, hey, this is pretty dope because being a, a producer myself, yeah, you know, the electric sets have this little, like a, like a, a memory pad or whatever. Yeah. And you can switch them and it has, you know, samba, it's got, you know, hip hop, all kinds of different types of drum sounds, you know, and it's pretty dope. It's dope, man. Like, you know, you can play anything from, you know, ranchera music to banda, you know, you got that tambourine hit, you could play reggae, um, freestyle music, you got that 808, is dope, dude, I love them. Awesome, love awesome. Them. Uh, growing up, you play any sports? Um, baseball, during the summer. Were you good? Oh yeah. Really? I was the only left-handed batter too, I always took one for the team. I always got hit, they never had a pitcher for me. <laughs> so I used to get hit and have to walk, but when I would hit the ball, you know, I was good. You know, um, I played probably every position except pitcher. You know, I, got, I really wasn't a good pitcher. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, I love baseball. I love to play it. I just don't like to watch it. Yeah, I think most guys that play baseball will say the same thing. Yeah, unless it's, you know, the World Series, right. you know. So that's when it gets exciting, you know. Okay. Uh, basketball, the only time I ever played basketball when I was locked up, never played it in school except for like around the world or out and stuff like right. that. But um, uh, football, I never played in school, but I love to watch it and I would play it like after school and stuff, you know, okay. but I'm a big football fan. Okay, you know? favorite football team? Oh man, where's my, where's my mask? <laughs> 49ers, bro. 49ers? Okay. 49ers. Favorite baseball team? Giants. Giants, okay. Yeah. You got a basketball team? Warriors. Okay. Hey, Golden State Warriors, man. You gotta yeah. you gotta give it up to them, man. Honestly though, I was never really a basketball fan. Okay. Um, I mean I did like you know, like a lot of people like the Bulls because of Jordan. Of course. You know, uh Jordan, you know, 
everybody loves Jordan, right? But when I started paying attention to basketball, um, that's when uh, the Warriors and the Cavs were in there. I forgot how many years back it was. I think the first time they played in the finals and I seen how good they were, the Warriors. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty dope. You know, I started getting more into it. And I was like, hey, so I became a, like, I became a Warriors fan. And then uh, my oldest son resembles Clay Thompson, you know, oh, okay. you know, se, se parecen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like complected hueritos and stuff, right? And uh, and so ever since that, you know, I'm a Clay fan, you know, okay. because okay. of for that reason. I like Curry. Curry's cool too. I got some of his shoes. Oh yeah. man, dude, um, just watching the championships, mm -hmm. you know, when they played, awesome, yeah, awesome. You know, me, I can watch any football game. Uh, I mean, my team is the Cowboys, okay, mm -hmm. but I can watch any football game as long as it's good. Right. Like right. I don't care, you know. I don't. It, it could have been KC and Dolphins. That was a good game I was yeah, watching yeah. earlier today. Um, I can watch pretty much any basketball game as long as it's good. Right. I just like the competitiveness. Yeah. You know. Uh, but what are you a boxing fan? Uh, not really, man. I mean, not now. Yeah. Like no. then when De La Hoya and all those, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those were good when Tyson was in his prime. Of course. You know now it's like I don't even know when a match is on now. I know. I don't. I don't keep up with it. You know. Yeah. And I never really got into MMA or or UFC or nothing like that. Um, I've, I've seen them before and they're tight, but like I don't keep up with it like like I would football. Like oh the game's on or you know mm -hmm. I don't really. As a matter of fact, I got something for you, bro. Okay. Speaking of uh, speaking of football, I just you know thought of you when I saw it and I said you know I'm gonna oh wow that's give him that so he can put it here on his look at that see that everybody yeah, man. I'm gonna wear this as a mask <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's dope thank yeah, you yeah you're welcome man okay so now and I just happen to be wearing my hat Andale, yeah. see so um let me ask you this growing up your mother and your father yeah what type of music were you raised with what, what would they play as a kid with you growing up um my mom, I didn't grow up with my dad. Okay. My mom, she uh, listened to a lot of Credence Clearwater Revival, John Fogarty. Um, mm -hmm. So I fell in love with like, you know, the songs like Centerfield. You, you know who they are? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of, uh, you know, that classic rock. Okay. I think that's what helped me to become a drummer too, because I used to play a lot of that as I got older, you know. Um, a lot of the classic rock, but as far as Spanish, Mexicano music, like I, it wasn't so much my mom, but like, even though I didn't grow up with my dad, my dad was a locutor for Spanish radio. Uh, there was a, a station in Fresno that he used to work at. And then he, when he moved to Merced, he worked at a station in Merced. Okay. And um, so he had, you know, when I would listen to him, you know, I started getting more into the the music, like Los Bukis or Bronco, Los Tigres or Ramon Ayala. And I tripped out when I became a fan of that music that, man, my dad met these guys, you know, because oh, he would wow. go to the, the bailes at the at the fairgrounds and everything. So he'd be one of the guys announcing or promoting. He'd have him in the studio interviewing them. Wow. You know, so um, yeah, I fell in love with, with uh, that kind of music. You make okay. music, you know. Your earliest memories when you first heard hip hop. Oh man, uh, how old were you if you remember? Shoot, man, Maybe, I don't even know, bro. I don't know, but I just remember the first hip hop, like straight up gangster, like oh, this is dope. Was Easy E? Okay, Easy does it. So I heard that before NWA, you know. Okay, okay, yeah. so it was pretty much some 
the, the, the West Coast thing over the East Coast. Yeah. Okay. Were you ever a, a fan of any East Coast music? I didn't know they were East Coast later on until later on, you know, when I started um, finding out more who was who. Um, but I mean, yeah. Um, como se llama? Um, like when I saw the movie um, Beat Street, bro. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that, that's when I really like. Oh, there's more out there than just you know. Right. Right. That's what's here, you know. Right. So I started finding out about like Jay Z, Nas, and later on, and then like. Uh, the Wu-Tang Clan and all those guys, Red Man, Method Man, you know, yeah, started getting more into them. And then, you know, I didn't know about Biggie till like he got popular, I guess, you know what I mean? But more of the other stuff, right? you know, um, but I didn't know none of his older, older stuff. But, um, but yeah. Okay. Let me ask you a West Coast uh, uh, question. Mm -hmm. Your top five West Coast albums, uh, or maybe you don't necessarily have an album, but your top five West Coast artists. Ice Cube right off the bat. Okay. It's just, see, to me, I mean, knowing like some of his story, uh, I like he's, he, I like his thinking, man. Right. His way of thinking. Uh-huh. You know, um, this guy's not West Coast though, man, but uh, artist is Busy Bone. I like Busy Bone a lot. Okay. You know, um, I think because as a person también, I know his story. Right. You know, and uh, I, I know the things he's went through and stuff and, and just like hearing his lyrics and, his frame of thinking is just like man this dude is raw man he's real he's you know i don't even know if i should include Pac because i mean that's kind of like a no-brainer i mean right Pac was just you know what i loved about Pac was wasn't the you know the the hardcore or the you know it was just more that he spoke from the heart you know he wasn't a great lyricist or what have you he was just more like i'm gonna speak from the heart you know, and he would share his life stories with people, and that's what I loved about right. him. That's you probably know? what why people would consider him a dope lyricist because he spoke from the heart. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, um, but you're you are absolutely right. Um, for some reason, when it comes to Rasa, mm -hmm. many of us for some pockets like number one. Yeah, you know, and it's because. For some, he he spoke to the heart, yeah. you know. So I, I get it. Like there is no, there's no, there's no color when you see him or when you hear him. Yeah, and there's not. I mean, he just he just spoke life. No matter if you're Mexicano or or African American or whatever, whatever race you are. I mean, I'm sure even Asians or anybody relates to because everyone goes to through struggles like that. Right. You know. What I'm if I had to ask you, mm -hmm. favorite Pac song? Do you have one? Oh man, staring at the world through my rear view. Okay just because just what it's meaning like you know i'm just looking at it as it's passing by everybody here knows because i always say it so many tears it's mine that one that one's good i love yeah. that one too yeah that one so, that was. so um okay around what how old were you if you can remember when you decided to let me try this thing called rap and let me start dabbling and writing something down i was in elementary school really yeah that young i was young i was like maybe eighth grade now, now what inspired that was it just the music you heard somebody was doing it before you people were doing it around you what inspired that um hearing the easy does it album i just learned every word on side a and side b of the cassette okay you know i just 
it was just there was just something I learned, man. And then and then uh Life is Too Short from Too Short. Yeah. I had that tape. Um then I started finding out more about NWA, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And then uh and then uh Ghetto Boys, my mind's playing tricks on yeah. me when that single came out. Mm-hmm. Um on the I had the single and then on the flip side I had the instrumental. So I just started practicing those lyrics, you know, trying to imitate their voices to that, you know, and I, I would just do that, you know. But and then what got me interested in doing rap myself, yeah, um, was when I first found out about Kid Frost. Really? Yeah, because wow. um, you know back then everything like I was like, man, why why everything's so cold? You got Ice Cube, you got Ice T, you got, and then you got Frost. You know what I mean? Right. And then Frost stood out to me because he was the only Mexicano that I seen or Chicano that I seen. Yeah. You know, I remember he came out on a, I don't know if it was the Arsenio Hall show or he came out on, on national television one yeah. time. Maybe Johnny Carson. I don't know. Um, no, not Johnny Carson. Uh, Jay Leno or something, right? I don't remember, but he came out on TV with doing a, this for La Raza. And I was like, dude, that's dope. You know, our people are coming on TV now. Yes. And it's, it's dope. And once I started, you know, listening to him more, you know, I think he just had the single at the time. And then when I found out about the album, I bought the album. That's what turned me on to Thump Records, bro. Hmm, oh, okay. bro. I, I, I ordered everything from Thump Records, bro. Really? Um, the Young Bucks. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. The four youngsters at the time. JV, um, Tommy Gunn, Rocky Padilla. He redid all the oldies. Yeah. Um, oh, you had him here, too? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm a big fan of Rocky, bro. I always have been. Um now there was some tracks bro from thump records um they were on there the guy wasn't signed with thump but i first uh first heard stone cold world from alt mm-hmm. bro that's what i should have told you my number one artist my favorite artist would be al really for uh if you want to categorize it as chicano as a chicano rapper yeah or chicano artist it'd be him because same thing with cube you know, I, I love his way of thinking. I, I, I listen to his lyrics. Um, when I heard Stone Cold World, dude, I, I fell in love, dude, with the whole album. Awesome. I think my favorite one was 17 Shots. That was my favorite song. Awesome, man. You know, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and take a 10 minute break. And okay. here's what we're going to do. When we come back, yeah. I want to talk about how you met David, a.k.a. Sir Dino. Okay. And I want us to share with I want you to share with everyone your testimony. Okay. Okay. Because you went from uh, AOG to Tony. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want you to share what is that. Okay. Sounds good. So, okay, everybody, listen, I'm not going to waste any more time, but we're going to go ahead and go to a break. Make sure you come back. Uh, if you got something, you got to warm up, go to warm up your food, go get yourself a beer and come right back. 10 minutes. Okay. Don't miss around. Hey, everybody. Uh, once again, Wednesday, we will not be here. Um, I want you guys to meet me at uh, Dr. Green Thumb, uh, Be Real's podcast. I will be there from 2 to 4, 2 to 4. And then we're going to come back 7 o'clock on Wednesday, same day, okay? Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to go live, but it's going to be something different, something special for you guys. All you subscribers, everybody that supported Rodian Radio, uh, my, me and my team are going to bless you guys with something on Wednesday. We will be live Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So uh, once again, tune in to Dr. Green Thumb, 
two to four, I will be uh, Be Real's guest, and um, also 7 p.m. here on Rhodium Radio Tony Vision. So without further ado, let's jump butt naked back into it with... I'm, I'm a comedian, brother, so... It's all good, it's all okay. uh, With Tony. How you doing, Tony? I'm good, man. I caught you off guard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Share with us how you first met Sir Dino. I like to call him David, but mm-hmm. you know, for for the peoples uh, that are Darkroom Familia fans or people that just want to know the history of it. Okay, I met him through um, this other group that I was a part of called Lowdown. Okay, um, I met one of the members of Lowdown first. Uh, his name is Mickey D. He went by Mickey D. and um, I met his cousin. He heard me rapping out the window one time. I used to rap, I used to use the microphone with the old uh, crate guitar amplifier. Okay. So I used to bump the music and just be rapping like if I was doing a live show out of my grandma's window, you know what I mean? So I'd be there rapping and stuff and these kids were walking by one time and they just stood there on the corner right there, you know, just chilling and and uh, next thing you know, like, you know, they just stood there and I ended up going outside, you know, I was kind of curious to see what they were gonna say, you know? And I go out there and one of them just tells me like, oh yeah, you know, I'm so-and-so's cousin and this and that. And I was like, oh really? Um, let me get his number, you know? I ended up getting in, um, in contact with him. Yeah. Then through him, I met this guy named Never, they called him Never, um, which was the CEO, producer of Lowdown. Met up with him, bought a couple of beats off of him. Okay. From a, it was just from a little RY30, Yamaha RY30, little drum machine. Um, and then through them, they were hooked up with Darkroom. So through them, I met David, I met Sir Dino. Yeah. I remember going to his house the first time and I laid down a track that I never put out. We never put out. Really? Yeah, it was, it, I didn't like it anyways, man. It why, just, why, why, why didn't you like it? I don't know, it was just. It wasn't you at the nah, time? Or? Like the beat, bro, like it was just, I don't know. It was just something that we never put out. It was just supposed to be like, you know, uh, a song for me it wasn't for lowdown or darkroom um but he heard something that day that he liked i guess he got a hold of never told him to get a hold of me again for this upcoming project that was called penitentiary chances right and i ended up meeting him one time one day in a studio with him and some guy named uh, eclipse and um I laid down a verse for the song called In the Fog. His verse, uh, David's verse and, and, and Drew's verse was on there already, this other rapper. And um, I just went and laid my down. And from then on, it was, you know, I kept getting calls back to go back and do more stuff. What, what, what year was it, if you could remember when you met him? Man, you remember? You if, remember. If, if you, remember? you had a guess. Man, this was... Hmm. 97, 97, 98, uh, 96, 97, 98 around there. And do you remember about how old you were? Man, I was probably 17, maybe, I don't know, man. It's kind of hard to think back all that way. <laughs> but I remember I was one of the youngest. I, really? was, I was one of the youngest. I mean, there was a, uh, well, also was actually the youngest, but I was one of the youngest ones. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, when I heard of them, it was like I was like starstruck, bro. To be honest, really, when I met Sir Dino. Okay, okay, okay. Let's stop yeah. right there. I'm gonna ask you this. Okay. Um, explain to us, you know, starstruck. Is it because their name was already that big, 
that you had already heard of them prior to? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did hear of them. Um, like when I met Never Tambien and Mickey D, to me, they were already like, like you know, names in the hood right there, Rofa Merced. And they weren't like signed to no major label or, or no label yet, but I had heard of them, you yeah. know? And to me, I was like, like a fan, you know? And then I had already, then I, I uh, heard of the, what was it, the, the album from the Barrio with Love. When I heard that one and I heard him on there, uh, that, you know, I, I heard that way before I met him, you know? Well, not way, way before, but, you know, prior to meeting him, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had songs like New Revolution and, and, you know, I think Midnight Creep, you know, songs like that, bro. And I was just like, dang. And his voice stood out from a lot of them. You know, and I was like, dude, that'd be dope to meet him one day. And I ended up meeting him. And, you know, I didn't, I don't think I showed it, you know, that I was all like, like, oh, shoot, this is, <laughs> this is Dino, you know what I mean? But a lot of the guys that I had seen on CD, bro, like on the center, uh, the foldouts, yeah, you know, when I started meeting them, bro, I was like, dang, you know, like to me, I was just a young kid, bro. And I was like, you know, meeting these guys that I would, like, I never thought, you know, and they were just from Merced, bro. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, that that's how I met him. How, uh, how long, okay, from the time you met him, uh -huh. how long was it, if you can back up, that you had already heard or had heard of Sir Dino slash uh, Dark Room Familia? Was it at least a couple of years? Not even, bro. No? Not even. Um, you know, probably about a year, bro. About a year? Probably about a year, because I had found... Like, even though I had heard already of Lowdown and all that, the, the way I heard of Dark Room, I hope I'm making sense here, man. I'm trying to think back to all this. It's all right. The way yeah. I'm, I heard of Dark Room was because I found a cassette, but I didn't have the cover to the cassette. Later on, when I found the cover in a whole different town, it was weird, dude, just the way it happened. Um, when I found the, the, ta the, the pictures inside, then I started putting names to faces, you know? Um, I actually found it in a, in a town called Patterson, you know, and I used to live in this, I used to stay with my prima and, and my, my tia and tío there in this campo, you know, and there was this DJ, bro, DJ Pablo, he used to stay in one of the, one of the houses there, you know, and he was, it was always loud music bumping out of there, bro. So one day I went to introduce myself and I started messing around on the mic with him, you know, and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, I had heard of, of them that way. Uh, it had been probably about a year before I ever um, actually met them. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. But, and and uh, how long were you a member or a part of this group? Oh, man. I think my first solo album came out 99, 2000. Okay. And... I think uh, 2002 or three was when I had stopped. Okay. 2003 probably. Now, now when that album drops, for mm -hmm. those that may not know, what was the, the title of the album and how many tracks were on there, if you remember? Title of the album was called The Right to Remain Violent. Okay. Yeah. I said that before Eminem did, bro. Just to, just to say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to throw that just out there. Just to throw that out there, bro. He said that later on. Um, but I called it The Right to Remain Violent. Um, I produced most of the beats on there. Well, no, some of them, not all. Um, that was 99, 2000. Um, 
and then from there other that was put out by darkroom you know that was put out by darkroom and then i had another one and then another one and then i went independent and started doing i did my own okay you know? well, what would you say out of that first album with darkroom was your personal favorite song was it all just a dream track five and, and why because it was from the heart yeah it was from the heart i wasn't trying to be all you know like a young you know just you know just you know it wasn't really gangster rap bro it was just more like when people heard that song they were like oh there's more to this guy than just right you know him trying to be all bad and this and that or whatever right, right. um that song i remember at shows we had to shows and people had even asked me are you gonna do that song you know and i'm actually redoing that song to put on a new album that we're doing my wife and i are doing um i, I i'm taking that one and taking out all the bad lyric all the right. bad words because uh, it's a good song i mean i okay. i mean not to you know toot my own horn but i mean it was one right. of my favorites man awesome you know? okay so that album is released what was the response on the streets that you were getting it was good yeah it's it sold like you know man again man i was just a young kid from a small town i didn't expect i didn't i mean to this day tone i, I mean i didn't even expect sitting here with you though you know what i mean like yeah it's just a lot that, that's happened you know and i was just a young kid bro that just wanted to make music because i loved it when i first you know when i started playing drums i always made you know what i mean like music's been my life bro yeah you know what i'm saying and to be here también talking about it you know yeah. live in front of these people it's like it's a it's it's an honor bro it's an honor but that album did it did pretty good you know it actually uh, sold in japan and went all the way to japan really yeah you know i mean the lowrider scene out there was big you know and yeah it still is probably you know um i got you know we got fans in the uk you know germany all over the place bro like i didn't think it was as big as it is bro you know what i'm saying i i yeah. didn't even now i'm a little like like i remember i was talking to david i asked him i'm gonna be transparent with you i asked him i said why 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 you know why am i going on the talk show you know the podcast like who am i bro like i ain't done music in years i mean i ain't i i, I didn't realize how how much people knew about the music back then you know what i'm saying like so it was, it's an honor to me bro it's a surprise to me to be sitting here well, you know what? First and foremost, I want to thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's more to this, and this is what I want to get into. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, this is the important part. I want you to share with us um, what happened in your life that you ended up um, turning your back, if you will, on the world, and you carry a Bible now. Yeah. Uh, uh, share with us your testimony. W what happened? um growing up first of all like i mentioned earlier my my father wasn't in my life yeah um he would come and see me you know but i always wondered as a kid you know where's he going you know those times he would stay the night or whatever but he'd be gone in the morning i never knew as, as a mocoso growing up you know yeah um i didn't know that i had older brothers and older sisters didn't know none of this stuff obviously you know um i once i started finding out like figuring all this stuff out you know i felt like okay you know depression 
starts, you know, especially as a, as a young kid, man, you know, you start to get these thoughts like, oh, you know, my dad didn't love me and, you know, this and that. And, and then when, when my stepdad came in the picture, um, I got thrown out of the house where I left. Um, you know, he didn't really want me around, you know? Yeah. Um, cause for a long time it was just me and my mom's, you know, and, and, uh, I had no brothers or sisters living. It was just me. I was the only child. I think that's why I probably got into music and I started writing, you know, because, you know, it was just me, you know? And, um, when my stepdad came into picture and I found out I was going to have a younger brother, you know, me and my stepdad had a lot of problems, you know, first time he laid hands on me was like, he just killed it, bro. Like it was just, that's, nah, you know, I, I lost all respect for him or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I got into, uh, drugs at a very young, young age. Um, you know, kind of like the movie Stand By Me, you know, those little kids, you know, with his friends smoking cigarettes, he, you know, he thought, oh, that's all right. So it started from smoking, you know, simple little things from smoking cigarettes. You know, back then you think you're all slick, oh, just put money together and go get a pack of cigarettes, you know, and we go hide by the canal or whatever and be smoking from cigarettes and went to drinking, from drinking to, to weed, you know, and then so on and so forth. So as I got older, I got more into the harder drugs, you know, I got into coke, I got into meth, uh, started messing with acid and shrooms whatnot you know what i mean things like that bro anything that was in front of me i would you know do it why because i felt that depression inside that loneliness inside or, or you know i had to find uh something to to just you know just not think about those things you know yeah. what i'm saying um i remember one one day um i was in my dad had came to see me bro I was older already in high school. I think I just got kicked out of high school. You know, Pelon, had my lokes on, my goatee, a white wife beater, you know, my khakis, right? And I remember, uh, I didn't have my lokes on at the time. My dad was leaving, bro, and I was gonna shed a tear, bro. And being as prideful as I was, I didn't want my dad to see that. So when I took out my lokes to put them on so he wouldn't see my eyes, I remember uh, some of my paraphernalia fell out in my pocket. Yeah. He me dice, he goes, oh, okay. He goes, this porque estás bien flaco, bien flaco, right? And I was like, you know what? And I got mad. I was like, who are you to tell me anything about what I do? You're not, you know, you're not in my, you know, basically you're not in my life. And todo. so I said, you know, I went off, bro. I went off on him. And it just made me worse, bro. It made me hate him and made me hate the world, bro. And a lot of my anger a lot of that hatred was on my music you know that's what i would write about you know things like that um i couldn't really write good stuff about my mom either because my i was hurt with my mom as well because my mom i felt that she chose my stepdad over me so i had to go move in with my viejitos, bro. They couldn't raise me, bro. They couldn't control me. You know what I'm saying? I was just a young little thug in the street doing whatever, coming home whenever I wanted to. My tío was there, but my tío was always working. If he wasn't at work, he was asleep, getting ready for work the next day. Yeah. So there was nobody to tell me what to do. It was just me, you know? And all this time, you know, still loving music, still doing what I love to do. Um, But... Even when I got into, fast forwarding a little bit, when I got into doing music with Darkroom, yeah. I think that's why, bro, I didn't go as far as I could have went with them, but everything happens for a reason. But I think things could have been, took off a little more 
if I wasn't hooked on drugs, bro. Okay. Because the drugs is what stopped me from interviews. The drugs stopped me from movies, video shoots, in-store autograph signings, uh, going out and doing uh, shows other places. I was always ghost. I was always gone. You know, because none of these guys, maybe they had an idea, but I never told them, hey, you know, I have this problem, you know, I never, yeah. you know, qué? you know what I mean? But I was cool with all the guys, bro, and this and that, you know, and it just got worse. It got worse and worse. And then it started, of course, it affected my household. Fast forwarding when I already had my kids, bro, two of my kids, um, I ended up losing everything I had. I had you know, my house and, you know, my kids' mom at the time and everything, dude, I lost everything. Yeah. And because of the music, I blamed the music. I did. I, um, I didn't want nothing to do with music, period. Okay. Nothing because it took, I felt that it took everything from me, even though it was the drugs, but to me, the drugs came along with the music at the same time. I kind of, you know, blamed it all on, and then I lost the primo to gang violence because of the music. Um, he ended up getting blasted. Yeah. And that didn't change me right away. It didn't, but I always held it. And that was another thing I held inside. You know, I held that inside for, for a very long time. It wasn't until I met my wife before she was my wife mm -hmm. um, that she, told, she talked to me about um, doing music now for God. And I was like, how, and how is that possible? You can't do music for God. There's nothing holy about hip hop. You know what I'm saying? There's like, how, how it doesn't, it doesn't mix. You know right. what I'm saying? To me, rap was, it was of the devil. Right. That's the way I saw it, bro. You know, because there was nothing clean about it to me because I had one of the most filthiest mouths. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way I felt about myself once I started seeing it, you know, and, um, it was just uh when i lost my boys bro and i was facing jail time i had tried stopping plenty of times and i couldn't do it i couldn't do it on my own i kept saying you know I, I, to the point to the point tone where i wanted to do i shaved because i was tired of the image that i created yeah then i then i started realizing it doesn't matter how i look on the outside it's not going to change what's on the inside you know what I'm saying? So like, I, yeah, I can change the the outer, but I still got that 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 corrupted heart, the corrupted mind. You know, and once, like I said, once I lost my boys and I ended up getting locked up. It wasn't even so much getting locked up, bro. It was more about I lost my boys, man. Yeah. My oldest son is 23 right now. Um, when all this happened, he was only going to be six years old. And that was the most devastating thing in my life was when I lost the privilege of seeing my son. And then my 19 year old now was only going to be three at the time. And when I lost them tone, that's when, uh, I knew, you know, what reality just hit. I don't care about, and I'm sorry I say this with all with all love and respect to the fans that are watching right now, and you know, but I didn't care about the fans, bro. 
that that's what had a stronghold on me in the beginning when I tried stopping the music. When I tried to kill the image that I had created, the person that I was, I didn't want to, I wanted to stop, but it was hard. And what kept holding me back was the fact that, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to think of me? They're going to call me a punk. They're going to call me this. They're going to call me that. They're going to say I couldn't hang. They're going to say, but I didn't care. Yeah. Because I wanted my boys back. I wanted my kids. A lot of guys my age or even older than me still haven't figured that out yet. Some are still doing time and probably haven't seen their kids yet. You know what I'm saying? Some have came to that crossroad now, though. And others who haven't don't understand why. And they never will until they go through it themselves. You have to go through, through it yourself. I don't expect anyone that's listening to me right now or watching this right now to completely understand what I'm saying because if they ain't gone through it, they ain't gonna know right. my reasons for why I did what I did. Because love, the love I had for my children was stronger than anything. Was The love I had for my children was stronger than the hate that I had for my dad, even for my mom and for the world. Love surpasses everything, bro. And that's what was there to help me change. I didn't know nothing about God. I didn't know nothing about Jesus. I mean, yeah, I went to Otrina and this and that. I did my bautismo, my first communion and all that in the Catholic Church. I did. You know, I used to go every Monday after school and it was just another opportunity for me to act a fool. I always wanted to be that altar boy, you know, up there ringing the bells and giving the padre the, the host and the this, all right, the cup of wine, maybe take a sip here and there, but I wasn't good enough, I felt like. I was just a, a travieso. Yeah. You know, so they, they, man, they would even throw me out of Catholic school, bro. Like, you know, like, go sit over there or, you know what, just go home. So that's why I always felt like I couldn't be a Christian, bro. I couldn't be a servant of God. I grew up Catholic. My, all my family, son Catolicos, bro. And I respect them. Yeah. Because like I tell everybody, I'm not here to change your religion. I'm not here to change anything about you because I don't have the power to change you. I'm only here to offer you hope. I'm only here to show you, to share my story with you. that There is something better than what you're used to. And I've always told people, Tony, if you want what you've never had, you got to do what you've never done. Maybe you've heard that quote before. Yes. Yeah. You know? It, let me ask you this. Was, was there a certain individual that... Uh, witness to you and told you about God or, or was it just you just listening here and there and uh, um, you might have heard you might have been curious decided to go to church or how did that happen where you just decided to uh, surrender your life man there was a few that kept trying bro there was uh, kids in my school they got saved before me and they would try and get me to go to church with them I, I used to, I used to uh, look out my peephole, like, oh man, what do we leave? What do we leave? You know, this and that. Stay all quiet, you know. And finally, they take off, and you know, I had friends like that, bro. That you know, they're like, come on, Tony, let's go. You know, let's go to church. And I'm like, nah, fool, I ain't trying to go to church, man. You crazy? <laughs> I smell like bud right now, and I just got done drinking a forty. I'm cool. I ain't trying to go up in there like this. But one day, bro, one day he caught me outside. 
this certain friend caught me outside with another homie, you know, we were there sleeping on some forties. We just, we just got done smoking a blunt, bro. And, and he said the magic words tone. He, he said, he goes, come on, man. If you go to church with me just one time, I'll take you out to eat anywhere you want to go afterwards. I said, Orale, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I went to church with him, bro. We went to a Pentecostal church, man. Uh oh, Ooh, crazy. I was like, I don't know about this, man. I'm cool. You know, and we sat way in the back. Of course. We sat way in the back and I told my, my, my friend, I said, cause he knew I was a drummer and he wanted to introduce me to the, the, the praise team up there, the worship team. Right. I said, bro, do not not i mean i was all chinky eyed bro and this and that. i was like dude i don't even want to be here it's just because i'm hungry that i'm gonna go right you know anyways long story short bro um i ended up going up there um when they did the altar call you know and uh oh bro i just i got a, a touch from god i remember what what, what did it bro because there was people praying on me bro and this and that and i was like man i was getting mad I was getting mad because, you know, I had a hand here, hand here, everybody praying like I was a devil himself, right? <laughs> and I'm there, bro, and, you know, my sleeves, my hands are all, my arms are all tatted up, so I had a short sleeve, right? I just felt totally out of place, bro, out of place. And I remember opening my eyes, dude, and I looked down like this, and the homie that I went with, yeah, I thought I laid out on the ground right there on one of the pews, you know, the Holy Ghost got a hold of him. I looked at him, I was like, what the, you know what I mean? Bro, next thing you know, I just broke. I broke. I started crying, bro. I just started, like, my mouth open, dude, and my tongue. I just started, like, speaking. I don't know what. I couldn't tell you what happened that day. I know what it was now. Yeah. But that day, I couldn't tell you what that was. Right. I just remember that my life got worse after that. It wasn't like, oh, I felt the touch of God, and that was it. I gave my life to God. No. It, the devil was on the attack after that. He knew. He knew. Oh, no, 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 no. That one's mine right there. You're not getting him. You're not getting him. I still got a lot of work for him to do. There's still a lot of more people that need to listen to his hate and pain and everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and it still took time. It still took time. And then one day, oh, I ended up going to Jack in the Box, by the way, afterwards. Out of all places, not bro. Not in tacos? Uh, nah, I got a, uh, not a Whopper, come sound, a Jumbo Jack. A Jumbo Jack. But I took advantage, I got it with cheese, bro. Oh, there you go. You know what I'm saying? But uh, mira, I ended up, uh, as years went by, dude, and things got worse, I ended up going, um, I was going through really bad, bro. Again, still the drugs, you know? And I wanted to just stop. I just didn't know how. The only thing I knew how to do, I had to go drive to this town, Planada. I went to Planada. To the Catholic Church, I went into the house where the priest um, on the cicada right there, right? Yeah. So I go in, and there was a, a a girl at the desk right there at the front desk, and I go in there all teary eyed, bro. I just got done coming from the cemetery. I was there talking to my my abuelo. He already passed at this time. Just telling my grandpa, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change. You know, welcome, yeah. I'm gonna work because I, I I didn't like working. Right. And I remember going into that 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 place there, bro, and. And the late the girl asked me. She goes, "Can I help you?" And I said, "Yeah, I want to know if uh, if I can talk to the the padre right there." She goes, "Um, oh, what's it concerning?" And I and I'm all teary eyed, bro. And I'm like, "Look, man, I just want to know. I want to get baptized or something. I I want to know what I got to do to be saved. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, what what do I got to do to be saved? I want to change my life. I want to give my life to God." 
Y me dice, bro, she says, oh, well, we don't do that here. We don't do that here. And usually if you want to talk to him, you need to make an appointment. Oh, bro, that, that crushed my heart, bro. Yeah. I was like, I was already here. Like, I made, you know, and I looked at her and, and I told her, I said, you mean to tell me that I can walk out this door, go around the corner and score some dope and I can't talk to a man right here who's six feet away from me about changing my life? Thank you. And I walked out. Wow. I walked out, bro, and, and that right there really crushed my spirit to where like I felt like there was no hope after that. Hmm. I really did. I mean, that's the only place I knew where to go. Yeah. Because I grew up Catholic and I never took that step. And, and again, bro, it's not to disrespect Catholicity or nothing, bro, any religion, bro. Right. You know, no disrespect whatsoever. I saw this primo of mine who's older. Me and him always bumped heads, bro. Yeah. Always bumped heads. And um, before I got locked up, bro, I seen him. He had this glow on him or something, bro. And I remember I was kicking it with his older brother. I mean, his younger brother one night, my primo Tubby. Call him Tubby. And uh, we had two cases of Budweiser, bro, or Bud Dry. We had Bud Dry at the time. And I was right there, and I remember telling him, I said, hey, what's up with your brother, bro? It's like, oh, man. He goes to church now or something, bro. And I'm like, oh, yeah? What church you go to? I don't know, some crazy church. You know, we're just talking about it, man. Right. Connor, I was like, but it was on my mind the whole night. Right. Where's the church at, dog? Anyways, when all that happened with me, bro, I ended up getting um, locked up. When I had got out, bro, there was only one person I wanted to find, and it was my primo. And I called him, and I was nervous, bro, because like I said, my whole life we bumped heads. Right. Even though he was my primo. He didn't like me, I didn't like him for whatever reasons. He didn't like me, I just didn't like him because he didn't like me. Right. Anyways, I called him and I said, hey man, I know you don't like me, No, I know you never have, but I know you go to church now and I wanna go. If God can change someone like you, I know he can change me. So I couldn't even find my words, bro. And he was just like, all right, Tony. Where are you, you going to be at tomorrow? Or where are you going to be at tonight? I go, I'm staying at a mom's house right now. Because I'm going to pick you up tonight. He picks me up, bro. Uh, the next morning, bro. Sunday morning, 5 a.m., bro. He takes me to his church. They had this thing called men's ministry with a bunch of men in there, bro. And they're crying. It's kind of damn, bro. It kind of looked creepy to me. I ain't going to lie, you know. Bunch of men crying, praying. Right. I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I felt weird like something just didn't feel right I just stood there bro okay I didn't know what to do next thing you know when we leave we have breakfast come back for 10 a.m. service bro next thing you know I hit the altar at the end of the service boom get the Holy Ghost bro I start speaking in tongues and from that then on out bro it was just straight up like there was no going back no I finally made that decision. Has it been a struggle? Yeah, sometimes there was. You know, yeah. there was. I mean, I'm not saying it's all sunshine and rainbows. You know what I'm saying? But right. we ourselves make it a struggle. And it, and I tell people this. You know, I'm in church because I'm not perfect. That's why everybody thinks that when you're in church, that you know, you think you're perfect. Nah, 
that's because that's why I'm in church because I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'll tell you like this. Much respect to Al Alt. Calls himself the Saint. I love my boy, dude. Even though I never met him, talked to him online. That's about it. You can acknowledge me as AOG, the sinner. I'm the sinner. I ain't no saint, bro. I was never a saint. I was a sinner. And until I was able to acknowledge that I was a sinner, yeah, that's when I was able to allow God to do what he wanted to do with me yeah. in my life. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I have to jump ahead because of time. Okay. Uh, what can people today, I know your Instagram has been popping up where people can reach you, they could DM you, ask you whatever, uh, pertaining to music or pertaining to your life. Uh, what can people expect from you today going forward? Because we, we know that, if I'm correct, you attend uh, David Rocha's, a.k.a. Sir Dino's church. Um, you guys go to church together Well, he's the pastor there. Yes. And um, now, are you still working on music? What, what can people expect? In a nutshell, can you give them something? My wife and I are working on something new. Uh, she's been waiting a long time. Okay. Um, yeah, so we are gonna start writing. We have one song so far. Okay. I'm just waiting on studio time because the guy that's gonna record us, um, he was in the process of moving. But in the meantime, we're gonna be writing, getting stuff together so that way we can just go in there and drop it, you know, and not waste any time in the studio. I hate wasting time in the studio. Right. And, uh, I mentioned to you earlier off camera, I lost my hearing in my ear. So that's also what um, prolonged this because I used to mix and master my own stuff. Okay. I can't do it no more because I need both my ears, you know? Right. So now I got to depend on someone else okay. to, to do that for me. Okay. Now, is this going to be uh, church-based music or church-based rap? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. All I do is Christian rap. I can't, you know, I, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Just do Christian rap, bro. Well, you know what? I hate to stop because there's a lot more that I want to ask. Uh, mm -hmm. But at this time, is there anything you want to say to, um, you know, maybe some fans out there that uh, look up to you and, you know, maybe want to rap? Or is there any advice that you would give them? And then maybe you want to give us some shout outs. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself, first of all. Um, don't try and be something you're not. You know, always speak from your heart. It's a constant battle between your heart and your mind. This is always gonna try and change this. Don't let it, you speak from the heart, keep it real. Like they say, keep it 100. You gotta keep it 100%, you know? Um, protect your ears. You don't know how important something is until it don't, don't work anymore. Right. Always protect your ears. Um, God is real. God is real. And I'm and I'm here. It's a blessing to be here. Tone, it's a blessing to be here. Thank you. It's a blessing to have you here. You know, it's uh I've been following your your stuff, your shows, um, you know, uh and just to be sitting in this this chair across the table from you, bro, is it's an honor and a privilege. It's a privilege, yo, for those of you who have wasted his time, man, and not showed up on time or whatever man it is a privilege take advantage of it because like i heard my man say he ain't gonna ask you again you know what i mean so the bible says take advantage of every opportunity in these last days this is a platform 
It's a huge platform. I wasn't going to miss this for anything, man. You know, and uh, I've said it earlier, you know, in my own thinking, I felt like, why, why me? Right. Why am I here? But God said, why not? Awesome. Why not? Awesome. Any shout outs, brother? Shout outs um, to my family. You know who you are. There's so many of you to name. Um, to all my clients. <laughs> I love you guys, man. You know, um, to my grandbaby. To both my grandbabies. To little AJ and to Isaac. I love you guys, man. I hope you guys are still watching. I hope you're awake. You know, what time is it? Yeah, you should be awake still. <laughs> to my pastors. You know, um, to everybody out there watching and listening, to those of you leaving positive comments, and even those of you leaving the negative ones, man, I love you too, man. God bless you very much. And God loves you more than I do. Remember that. And it's because of those negative comments that helps me to go keep going forward. Never looking at life from my rear view. Just keep going forward. Tony, again, thank you, man. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Thank you. Okay, everybody, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And uh, David Rocha, a.k.a. Sir Dino, former member of Dark Room Familia, is in the building. And we'll be back in about 10 minutes. I'm about to go get some to grub because I haven't eaten, ate nothing. And my stomach is growling. I hope you guys didn't hear it. But come back in 10 minutes, all right? Welcome back, everybody, to Rhodium Radio. And check this out. Uh, Documixery forward slash ads. I encourage everyone out there, if you're pushing a record, if you're pushing an artist, if you're pushing your label, your merch, your makeup, your business, whatever, you know what? Get yourself an ad. And believe me, you'll get uh, views at least. You'll have at least about 10,000 people watching your ad. Uh, most people that have bought ads have already called me up and told me on how this has pretty much blessed their business. You know, how their business has picked up, you know, they have gotten orders, uh, people have are inquiring because they've seen their ad on Rhodium Radio. So uh, I encourage you to get an ad if you want, especially around this time, the more exposure, the better. Other than that, Wednesday, uh, follow me at uh, Be Real's podcast, Dr. Green Thumb, at two, two to four, we're gonna go live two to four he's inviting me i'll be there with them i'll be one of his hosts and then i'll be back same night 7 p.m uh we're, we'll be going live but we're gonna have something special and something different for all you guys that uh talk crap on the live chat and those that support us so i i'm just keeping it real that's what you guys are here for and i'm gonna give a big shout out to uh the rhodium radio warriors but without further ado please allow me to introduce my next guest joe from a long way you know it and i appreciate this man's fellowship there's times we get on the phone and we just talk so it's a good thing without further ado pastor david rocha also known as sir dino former member of dr familia how, how you doing? doing good man it's good to be back yes a, a uh episode 31 we're in 119 now 88 episodes later yeah you're back you know uh first and foremost before i ask you you know, and I we talked about this plenty of times that before the first time I interviewed you, I got a lot of death threats. 
I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Don't let this guy on our turf. I mean, who uses the word turf? Like, the last time I heard the word turf was like in the movie Grease, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, don't let that guy this. Don't let that guy that. But little did they know that what I knew, that you were a changed man. God had changed your heart, changed your life, transformed you. You were pasturing. Yeah. They didn't know that, and I get it. Um, But those same people that don't let him in our turf and don't this, did all of those people called me, DM me, inboxed me and told me that interview was awesome. Was awesome. And at least for a year, you had the the highest, the highest uh show. I think it was like sixty four thousand and then royalty comes along, passes that up. So much love to both of you guys, okay? Royalty, I'm giving you your flowers, okay? But um, you had the highest for so long, you know, and, and it's funny because the guy that I was getting death threats over had the highest views of every episode on Rodian Radio, yeah. you know, every artist. And I wonder why, you know, I wonder why, but on my end, everybody called me back and was telling me, telling that was an awesome interview, that I, I was wrong, you know, uh, God has changed his life. He's not about that life anymore. It was all positive positive what was the talk on your end after the, the interview did you hear anything negative positive about it um I, I didn't hear anything negative but before i forget i gotta i know you do shout outs at the end i gotta mention three people real okay. quick right out the gate um i just want to give a shout out to Derek garcia from albuquerque new mexico okay uh a shout out to andrew hernandez out of tracy his his father right now is in ICU with COVID, okay. and we're just saying prayers for him. And okay. and um and also, um Jose Rosette, who is an amazing actor, probably the most underrated Chicano actor I know, you know. And um, he just has a, a a movie out just now. Uh, what's the movie called? Monsters of Men. Monsters of Men. This dude. Um, he started his career with us in the very beginning. I promise him I'll give a shout out. You got to get him on, man. Okay. This guy is like always working, always. You know what I mean? So Jose Rosette, give him a shout out. So real quick, anyways. No, it's all um, What you were saying is um, I got all positive, man, because uh, believe it or not, and I know that because I've known a lot of times when people live in a, in, a, in a big metropolis area, Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, it tends to become a bubble for them. Yeah. You know, and I understand that you're here in, in, in the Los Angeles area and you don't get to see the the rest of what's going on in the United States. And I just want you to know you have a huge platform and I think it's a lot bigger than you think. Or maybe you do know. I don't know. I, I don't know. People it's, tell me that, but it's a huge platform, you know, and and I like, you know, um, I don't watch every single Right. One, I don't get a chance to, but I, I do watch a huge part of them, at least parts of them, if I don't have a chance to watch it and and what you're doing. I mean, uh, before I even knew, before you started this, like, I like watching Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know, and I see a lot of comparison. I see, the, you know, the way you interview, the way you hold yourself, your professionalism. And I really like that. I like the direction that you're going. And um, I hear nothing but positive stuff, you know, for what you did, for what you're doing. Um I ended up gaining a lot of people um, watching our YouTube channel because we do a bunch of stuff on our YouTube channel, you know, so from coming on here, a lot of people went to there. So it's all been all love and all positive. Awesome. Awesome. Did, did you at all 
get any negative response pertaining to like why did you go over there type of deal no okay see i got that why did you invite them yeah first of all no one is going to dictate who comes on my show i i dare to be different i think different okay uh uh i don't follow you know uh if somebody calls me and tells me you know hey you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do don't tell me what to do okay i'm my own man you know i do what i'm going to do and i do uh, what I do as I feel led to do it. Yeah. And that's what makes me different. Doesn't make me better. It just makes me different, you know, uh, because I dare to be different. I know that I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm not a follower. So I'm going to do what I'm, I'm what Tony is going to do. Yeah. You know, um, my thing has always been unity of Rasa. And I never judged anyone by their geographical location. Yeah. Just because somebody lives somewhere different from me. Now, maybe when I was younger and I was a knucklehead, I, I thought like that. But you know what? Reading uh, has helped me and educated me and has made me a, a mature man. For an example, in the writings of Paul, mm -hmm. when he said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away childish things. Yeah. Okay. We have to learn to put away childish things. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how we can sit across from yeah. each other and discuss. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm, I'm 48 years old. 48 years old, if I still acted the way I did when I was 22, something's wrong, you know, and, and I don't understand that. I, I don't get that because if you see a kindergarten kid, if that child in kindergarten acts the same in 12th grade, there's an issue. So we're grown men. We have families. Many of us have grandkids. Yeah. So the mentality is way different, you know what I mean? And, and it changes and there's nothing wrong with, with growing. There's nothing wrong with maturing. There's nothing wrong with going beyond you know, like, um, I like to say this, like people that have a, a, a hood or ghetto mentality. Right. You know, and, and really that is a waste. So many people, our people say, oh, you know what I mean? We got to rise above it and, and the system is trying to push us down. But I, I think a lot of the times it's us. We keep ourselves down. Right. You know, we keep ourselves down. And, and I'm glad that I'm at a point in my life where I can come, you know, to, to your show and, and um, and just vice versa and just talk and, and, right. and be men, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and I just got, I have a lot of respect for what you're doing and your platform. You're going to do a lot bigger things, you know, and, um, it's outside of the bubble of even California, you know? And, and I think that's why my music was so far reaching even back then, because even, um, in the Bay area, in the Valley, a lot of the rappers were, were their mentality was just trying to please the homies. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to sell records in, you know, in Miami. I'm trying to sell records in Texas and everywhere else, you know. And uh, because of that, it kind of reminds me of what you're saying. Of you're right. seeing, you're seeing uh, far beyond. I think that what a lot of people right. are, are, they want to put you in a bubble. And I see a man that's refusing to stay in that bubble. Oh, I'm not. I'm not in that bubble. And I think yeah. people are upset at me for not being in the bubble. But you know what? You don't pay my bills. And <laughs> ultimately, you know, I don't have to answer to you. Yeah, you know, um, you know, th th there was. Well, I'll leave that alone. But I see the bigger picture. Yeah, and I want to move forward. I mean, I, I want people from all parts of life. If one day they want to come here and sit across from me and talk to me, they're more than welcome. You yeah. know. So, but um, so let me ask you this. So now, how long now have you been pastoring? I've been pastoring for nine years. Uh, got out of federal prison in 2010, started the church in 2011. Wow. And it's been ever since then. So you felt the calling to pastor that, that fast? 
I felt the calling in prison. So I served six years. I went in in 04, um, and I felt a calling to pastor, to preach, not to pastor. I felt a calling to preach maybe two years in, and I argued with God. I'm like, do not make, don't make me do this. Like, I had spent all my life, my adult life, in a limelight, you know, doing concerts and shows and studio and record covers. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be in front of people preaching, you know, and God's like, well, so you're going to do it for the enemy, but you can't do it for me. You know, so, I mean, there was a lot of struggle. You know what I mean? Uh, honestly, I didn't want this mantle, man. I didn't want it. Now, now I'm thankful for it. Right. But in the beginning, I didn't jump for it. I didn't want it. Yeah. You you know what, David? Look, this is what that reminds. This is what what you just said. This is what it reminds me of. Okay, you look at Moses. Okay, and I know because, and I said this before, I may look dumb, but I'm not dumb. He said that last time. Okay, Moses didn't want to go talk to Pharaoh. Yeah, he was already 80 years old. So that tells me it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Okay, he didn't want to go. God spoke to Jonah and said, you're going to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. Yeah. He went the opposite direction. God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, you're going to go. No, I'm not going to go. I'm too young. I can keep going on and on and on. And everybody that was called by God, guess what? They didn't want it. Yeah. Here's the issue that I have today with today's so-called prophets. And I'm just going to keep it real with you. Everybody's lined up to be a prophet because there's profit in it. <laughs> That's good. Okay, yeah. back then, they didn't want it. Yeah. Because they knew they could, if they get caught in a false prophecy, if they prophesied something and it didn't come to pass, they'd get stoned, they'd get killed. Yeah. They'd oh, be yeah. known as weirdos, as crazies, loonies, loners. Mm -hmm. Okay. Today, they're celebrities. Yeah. You know, if you have to put that I'm an uh, apostle or a prophet on a card yeah. and hand them out, most likely you're not. Yeah. That's, that's just. That's a, that's a pet peeve of mine when I see that myself, you know, because. Um, it's something very serious. Yeah. You know, it's very, very serious. And, and I like the way you say it. So I'm, I'm going to end up preaching a sermon titled that. I'm going to take that. <laughs> He's biting my style. No, 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 we're good. We're good. Uh, um, but but you know what? That's what I read. All yeah. of these people didn't want it. Yeah. All of them. You know, um, I was at Venice Beach several years ago. And uh, there was a guy there. And believe me, I, I believe he meant well. I truly do believe he meant well. He had a sign that said, Jesus loves you. And uh, he was telling everybody, you want love, joy, peace in your in your life. Give your life to Jesus. Yeah. Love, joy, peace in your life. And he, here's what I think he messed up. Everybody will love you. Oh. You know? Yeah, he, he had yeah. that, you know, it's all love. It's all peace. It's all this. So yeah. me, you know, being a smart aleck, I went up to him and I said, so if I give my life to Jesus, everybody will love me. It'll be love, joy, and peace. And, I, and he said, yes. And I said, what happened to all the disciples? <laughs> yeah. They were all killed. Yeah. They were all killed. And uh, he said, well, that was then. That was his best answer that he can give me. Yeah. So, and I know he meant well, but yeah. I think sometimes we have to really think about the message that we're preaching. Now, I'm going to be real with you, David. I don't go to church. I don't go to church, but I do study and I do read. I said I have to say this, that most churches that I've attended, and I know I'm probably speaking to some people out there that feel the same way as me. Yeah. Um, I don't trust some of those pastors, and I think some of these churches are jokes. So it's very, very hard yeah. for me to go somewhere and take it serious because 
uh, a lot of these pastors today, I think, are trying to be celebrities. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I said this one time, and some person, only one person got it. I said, many pastors do not smell like sheep anymore. That's good. That's good. And it's true. They're celebrities. Yeah. And, and here's what's interesting is everything you're saying, because uh, a lot of times when people say, and I'm sure right now, if, if I would go to the uh, people chatting, there's a lot of negativity toward Christianity, toward whatever. If there's negativity toward me, well, that's all good because that doesn't bother me. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's the disrespecting of Christ. You know, because the Bible says that it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. People can say what they want about me. It really, it, it really just doesn't even bother me at all. Right. You know, but a lot of the things you're saying um, is true. And this is the problem with the church today is because the fact that there's been so many counterfeits yes. that nobody trusts the real anymore. Right. You know, and I th I truly believe that that's why God is raising people up in places like prison, uh, that he's raising people up out of the gutter because I believe that God is sick and tired of of this show of this Hollywooding Christianity of, of of people hijacking what is pure and beautiful and life changing and hijacking it. You know that God is saying, you know what? I'm going to raise somebody up that has nothing, so that way that way I can use them and they don't get big headed. Right. You know, and um, that's that's my thing. You know, what I mean, somebody's. I've heard comments before in the past where people say, "Oh, he went from, from, from rapping to preaching because he couldn't make money rapping anymore." You know what I mean? And yeah. and I'm just like, "Are you serious?" Like, I, I I pastor an inner city church that brings in enough money to pay the rent. Like, I don't get paid. I'm not on payroll for my church. And I I say to my congregation all the time. I tell them, I tell them this all the time. I said, you know what? Nobody's going to dictate what I preach because I'm going to preach the word of God. I don't care if it offends you because I ain't getting paid anyways. Right. I'm not getting paid anyways because the moment a pastor starts getting paid like that, all of a sudden somebody gives a, a, a big check. They want to influence what the pastor preaches. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I will make the money I need to pay my bills and take care of my family outside of this pulpit. Yeah. That way I'm not compromised when I stand behind that pulpit. Right. And I've been preaching for nine years, pastoring a church for nine years, and there is no payroll, bro. Right. right. There ain't no payroll because I will not be compromised. What I truly believe that what, what God has done in my life and what God wants to do in other people's lives, you know, and I think that wrecks people sometimes, especially other leaders. You know what I mean? Because I'm not going to fall into that. God didn't call me to to come into something and just live a fake life. I can't. I couldn't deal with myself like that. Right. Right. You know. You know. Let me say this for people that are watching, because many people say, "I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites." Well, there's hypocrites in your family. There's hypocrites at your job. There's hypocrites in your group. There's hypocrites in the nightclub. Me personally, yeah. I'd rather have them in the church. Maybe something will happen. <laughs> yeah. You know that that's just me yeah. you know but oh there's a bunch of hypocrites look don't point the finger bro you know go look in the mirror because the mirror is cold-blooded the mirror will tell yeah. you the truth yeah okay if there's anything i like to keep it real i like to be honest you know yeah. if, if if i'm messing up somebody tell me if uh i'm going in the wrong direction somebody tell me i'd rather have somebody tell me than somebody not tell me and just be a yes man and hang around me yeah i, I don't need those kind of friends yeah you know but uh anyways uh, here's a weird question. Okay. You ever feel like throwing in the towel and say, forget pastoring? Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. Now, now I, I want you to share a little bit yeah. of why, because a lot of times I think people see you behind the poop and they say, oh, this guy's got it made. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, right? And I say this all the time. I said, I know I will never be a perfect husband. I'll never be a perfect father. I might not be, probably never be a perfect friend to you. But there's one thing, there's one thing I will be unshakable in is my faith in God. So throwing in the towel from preaching is completely way different from giving up on God. I will never give up on God because he never gave up on me. But just the fact of, of trying to lead uh, uh, people, and, and I'm not the type, I don't micromanage anyone at the church. I don't hold people's hands and say, oh, you're sinning, you're doing this. No, I'm just going to preach the word of God and you're going to take it and you're going to either live it out or you're not going to. I refuse to micromanage people. I truly believe a lot of pastors quit because they try to micromanage and you never will. Right. You never will. And all you're going to do is just walk around depressed and angry and sad and, and because you can't change people. Well, guess what? We can't change anyone. Only God can. So there's times where because I know God has called me to author books. I know God has called me for other things. And sometimes I'm just like, man, you know what? That is so much easier than, <laughs> than dealing with people. Because people are the hardest thing to deal with, you know. But be honest with you, that's usually on a Monday. <laughs> and by Sunday, let's go again. Let's keep going, you know. And, and if it wasn't for the strength of God, that's why that scripture says, you know, that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I understand and I know. Because every time I feel like this is too much, somebody new will come in broken. Like I literally had one guy come in. And and he something bad happened to where he lived in another state. Something really bad happened. I think some people died. And he knew he was going away. And he just showed up. He showed up at my, at my church and um, looked very skittish where I thought, I mean, because threats are real. You know what I mean? And I don't know what people's intentions are when they walk in the building. You know? And um, basically he says, man, I did something bad. I did something real bad. And I didn't want to ask. Yeah. He goes, but I know I'm going away. I'm probably going away forever. I just want to give my life to God. I just watch you. I only trust you. I don't trust anybody else. I trust you. Can you please? I don't know how to do it. Can you lead me to the Lord? And it's things like that. People that come like that. People that come broken that almost gives me a second wind every time. And I'm like, that's why I do this. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and and coming from your background, you know, yeah. if people, you know, it's funny because I remember when you left and a couple of days later, I went on the YouTube and I looked up your videos and I was like, <laughs> it was hard to believe that I was sitting across from that guy. Yeah. I was like that dude right there. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, one thing that a lot of people may not know, or some people do, um, in, in your music, correct me if I'm wrong, you never cursed. No. No, never did. Okay, you never cursed at all mm -hmm. your songs, okay? Never, or disrespected women. Or disrespected women. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. What about drinking and smoking? You ever? Never. Never drank. I see some of your shows, man. <laughs> it's a little bit too much sometimes. Never drank. Never smoked. And I know that confuses people. They're like, wait a second. You were a drug dealer? You went to federal prison? You got felonies and all this stuff? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, but there's reasons for all that. There's reasons. I saw my mother crying way too much because my dad used to be an alcoholic. Now he's a member of my church. Your dad? Yeah. He got saved when I was eight years old, you know, but up until that point, all I would see was my mom crying. And then my one of my older brothers, all he did was drink. He'd end up in jail, get DUIs, wreck his car. One time 
He wrecked into a tree. The car burst into flames out in the country. If it wasn't for neighbors that heard and pulled him out, my brother would have died. So seeing that, my mom would like cry and cry. And I was like, I'm never going to make you cry, mom. I'm never going to make you cry. I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to drink, you know. And um, so I was so stubborn about that, that by the time I was 17, 18, 19, when your homeboys are like, come on, come on, come on. Um, I just wanted to prove them wrong. And right. I just never, I never did it, you know. Um, some people say, "Well, you're the worst kind of drug dealer," then, because most dealers they deal drugs to to supply themselves. And they're like, "You're the worst kind." I'm like, "Well, probably, man," because I was a very wicked-hearted person. All I cared about was money. I wasn't addicted to drugs, but I was addicted to that to right. to to um, to make money, you know. So uh, I didn't cuss on on music because I had. My, I had my daughter when I was 17 years old, and I said, I was dumb in a lot of things, but one thing I wasn't dumb of, dumb of is the fact that this little girl is going to grow up someday and listen to dad's music. And I didn't want to ever do something that I would be embarrassed of. You know, you got to understand the women in my family were, were huge. You know, Mexican families, man, the women, the, the abuelita, the, the tias, the moms, you never want to disrespect them. Right. You know, I'm, I might be very disrespectful outside of the house, but once we came home, you were very respectful, at least the way I grew up. Yeah, same same here. Same here. Yeah. We couldn't curse. And it, I remember one time I cursed, and my mother looked at me. She goes, Dale otra vez. A ver si no te rompo los Like, I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, I feared more my mom than my dad. Yeah. You know, and my dad was a tall dude. I have a brother that's taller. But my mom just gave me those eyes, and I was like, "Okay, okay, okay," you know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but that's um, why people got tripped out. Like, how do you do gangster rap without without cursing? I said by being creative. I said every time you put a curse word in there, you're just being lazy. I said that's a lazy way to express yourself. Right. You know right. what I mean? And I still say that. I still say that now. Like, like even like if people comment or people say something, I'm like, man, be creative, man. Don't be lazy and just. Right. It's the same stuff, you know what I mean? It's the just, same stuff. Yeah. Uh, people think cursing is keeping it real. That, that's what they think. No, know? it's just a lazy way of talking. Lazy way of communication. You know, and there's one thing that I wanted to touch on once again, out of all the records, the record label, and the movies. Yeah. Nobody was doing that d during that time. Nobody was, and I think you guys had about eight movies, if I'm correct. Now, yeah. wh whether people liked them or not, those movies were done. Yeah. And nobody else was doing that. Yeah. So I believe, and many people believe that you guys were ahead of your own time. Yeah, you know. But there came a time where, uh, from you know, um, with uh, by your own admission that God called you. Yeah, God called you. And let, let me ask you this: You get out of prison, and I know we're kind of recapping a little bit of what we shared last time. You get out of prison. God calls you to pastor. Was there ever a time where you were just trying to back out of it. I don't, I don't want this. I know you shared that, but mm -hmm. um, how long did you wrestle with it before you just, if you would just gave in? As far as pastoring? Yeah. I think all that wrestling happened while I was incarcerated. Okay. That by the time I came out, I came out running, you know? Okay. Um, looking back, starting a church nine years ago, being fresh out for one year, it was, it was probably a mistake. I wasn't ready for it. It's one of those things because I had went to, um, uh, I found a correspondence uh, Bible college that would help inmates with cheaper prices and they would send things through mail. And I did the syllabus and the courses, uh, got my degree, working toward my second degree. 
And and it was there where I thought I was ready to pastor. And then I come out and deal with real people. Yeah. <laughs> Whole different ball game, you know? So there was a lot of times that just looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I'm still here. I can't believe I did it. I've learned a lot, matured a lot. You know, like, um, you know that, that movie Five Heartbeats? Yes, yes. Remember that? Yeah. There's an amazing quote toward the end when uh, the one guy, the lead singer, he knew his brother was cheating with his wife. And he goes up to get the reward, and he goes up and he says, you know what? He goes, uh, I want to thank you for the reward, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember exactly verbatim what he said, but he said this. He says, you know, when I was young, they told me um, you would be uh, you're a great singer. But once you go through some heartbreak, you'll be an amazing singer. And I, and I say that to say nine years ago, the David Roach at the start of the church, you know, there was no heartbreak in it. There was no blood, sweat, and tears in it. Nine years down the road now, um, I've gone through enough to know and understand what my calling is and what it is I got to do no matter what, no matter what anybody says. Right. I understand it now. Right. When you first started, did you ever hear any black backlash from the neighborhood? Oh, this guy just ran and hid behind the cross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that. Even in prison, I heard that a lot. You really? know, in prison, when I was fighting my case, they're like, oh, you're going to forget about God once you get sentenced. And then I get to prison, they're like, oh, you're going to forget God once you go down to a lower level. And then I go down to camp, oh, you're going to forget God once you get to the halfway house. And then I get to the halfway house in Oakland, they're like, oh, you're going to forget God once you hit the streets because there's girls out there. There's this, there's this, there's this. I've been out for 10 years now. Yeah, I'm going stronger than ever. You know what I mean? Because it's just um, I know I know who I am, and I know what I'm called for, and that's it. Yeah. Was it because I don't know, so I ask? Was it hard to get a congregation people to come? Um, I think in the beginning, a lot of the people that are there now weren't there then. I think in the beginning it was more of a novelty thing. Like, oh, Sir Dino's a pastor? Let's go to Sir Dino's church. Right. You know, um, I think it was a whole different reason why people came. I got to be honest with myself. I think it was just a novelty to go to Sir Dino's church. Uh, I think now it, it's different. You know, it, it's way different. There's, I got people in the church that don't even know that I'm Sir Dino. Like, they're probably watching today. And that's like, a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, we got, I mean, families and grandmas there and mothers and fathers and, and you know, so... We got families now. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people that still come out of my lifestyle that still come because here's the thing, man. Once you've been locked up or you live the street life, you know what's real. You can see right through people. Like little kids, they see right through you. Same thing with people from the streets, you know? And, and it's like same thing with people that are watching here. I know they're just like, man, I've seen people in televangelists and this is different. What's different about it? And I'm telling you, that's what's real because you know What's fake or real? I believe that you're telling me these things about how your views are toward church and stuff because I believe that you see something different right here sitting in front of you. Absolutely. And and, and uh, before we go to break, I'm going to tell you something. And correct me if I'm wrong, okay? And this is what I told you. I said, look, I don't see you like Sir Dino. I don't see you like David Rocha. I see you when I spoke to you, when I talked to you as a man of God. That's what I see, Okay. And I told you that over the phone. I said, that's the way I see you. Okay, now if people want to talk about you, people want to come against you, they don't realize who they're coming up against. And I say that in a spiritual sense because 
when Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was there to persecute the church, God stopped him and pretty much told him, you know, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. And really, when they persecute you or come against you, they're coming against God. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I don't care what hood you're from, what gang you're from, or what mafia you're from. You never want to go up against a man of God. Period. Period. Because he has the power, yeah. you know, to cast you into heaven or hell. Plain and simple. Yeah. And one day, each and every one of us are going to have to give an account of our lives, yeah. whether it's good or bad. And that's something we're not going to be able to call in sick. Okay, it has been given for man to die once and then comes the judgment and we're going to go to break. Cool. Okay, everybody. Um, hopefully that didn't shake you up. But um, yeah, so 10 minutes. We'll be back. Don't mess around. Are you guys still there? Hey, anyways, listen, Wednesday, meet me over there at B Reels. Uh, Dr. Green Thumb from 2 to 4 we will be live I will be one of his guests so I want to thank B-Real for that and then we'll be back the same day Wednesday here live we're going to have something special for you guys other than that um, documixery forward slash ads documixery forward slash ads if you want to buy an ad you guys seen all the ads that I've been playing people have been buying them so get at us believe me it, it'll help your business your merch your makeup whatever you're slanging it will help. So with that being said, let me go ahead and jump right back into it with David Rocha, a.k.a. Serdano, former member of Dark Room Familia. Thank you once again for being here. Um, I had a great first half. We're going to keep it pushing. Um, so now, you know what? You brought something up interesting that yeah. I haven't seen yet, but I'm, I want to see it. The Netflix Selena. Yeah. Your opinion, because you're a movie guy. I'm a movie guy. Yeah, I love movies. Okay, so tell me your opinion on that. I think it was an it was an amazing show. It was ama it's it's really good, very well made. Okay. I think you know. First of all, a lot of people don't know that Christian Serrato, the one that's playing Selena, I mean, she was a huge part of Walking Dead. Um, so she didn't just come out of nowhere. You know, she's a. Um, I believe she's from Pasadena or okay. somewhere down here, but she's she's a Chicana, man. Okay. She had a huge part of Walking Dead. Now she gets a chance to to star in, in this uh, you know, epic show about Selena. And I think, first of all, people gotta give her a shot because she has two things against her. Number one, how do you live up to Selena? And two, how do you live up to Jennifer Lopez playing Selena? So just the fact that she has to there's two landmarks that she has to uh yeah. that's hard those are some big shoes to pick, exactly you know? exactly um but it was funny because um, my wife was showing me a video by suzette selena's sister who loves the show and she goes you know some of those parts the 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 music the hair the clothes she goes it was exactly the way it was i saw a picture of selena getting her first award with really curly short hair but people are clowning Christian Serrato, the one that's playing Selena now, because they're saying, oh, the hair. And I, I'm just like, are these young people that all, they think Selena's J-Lo? Like, that's all they know about Selena, right, you know what I mean? Right. Because uh, from what I see and the little bit I know about her, um, it's pretty accurate from what I know. You know, obviously, none of us were, only the family really knows what, 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 what happened. But my major thing was this, man, is the fact that how many... How many shows do we have that are our people? And the first thing we do is tear it down. Like, 
as as I'm watching the show, I'm, I'm happy for Christian Serrato. I'm happy for all of those actors, Latino actors, that are actually getting to be in, in, in a part in something huge and something big. And what's the first thing? Is we start putting it down. Yeah. And that ain't right. How are we ever going to climb out of whatever hole people want to bury us in if, if we can't actually support our own people? And that's something that we I've discussed with many artists here because we we are pros at tearing each other down. Yeah. You know, and, com you know, Latino comedians have said that artists have said that. And it's and it's true. We, we would rather support someone else. Yeah. Than our own. Why is that? Only them and their heart. Coming from, only they can answer that. For an example, I, I spoke to someone earlier this week, and here's what I said. If I see somebody winning, it brings me joy. Yeah. I'll clap, especially if I help shine light on that. I don't go around bra bra bragging and saying, you know, I was a part of that. No, I know what I did. Yeah. But if I see them winning, that's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know what is it in the person's heart that sees somebody winning, somebody shining, that's worked hard for it, and then they say, I can't stand that bastard. Yeah, it's weird. It's very, very weird. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, uh, I'm going to share something with you before we get into your books. That I found it very weird when I read it, okay? I want you to think about this, David. Yeah. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. He was already dead three days. Yeah. And he was thinking. Okay. Raised him up. He lives. Everybody sees him. Awesome miracle. Think about that. Yeah. I want the listeners to think about that. That you see somebody being raised from the dead after three days. Okay. That's crazy. Now, here's was the heart of the Pharisees. The religious elite of that time. Mm -hmm. They were planning to kill him again. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing that when I was locked up the first time, and I was like, "That's crazy." Instead, and, and, instead of acknowledging something magnificent that just happened, they want to kill the guy again. And it's the same thing today, in a sense, in a sense. And I say that to give people an example that maybe there was a person that was a nobody, a nothing, that people, you know, the world considers a nothing, a nobody. His career's dead, and he blooms. Yeah. And instead of saying, "Wow." I seen that guy come from nothing. Yeah. Now they just say, oh, I can't stand that fool. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand what what you have in your heart that causes that. So, yeah, I don't understand it either. Anyways, but you're you're right. We tear each other down and, and it's it's terrible. Um let's talk a little bit about your books and then we're gonna get into your art because you have yeah. a lot of art, you're a great artist. I've seen a lot of the art you've done via uh Facebook, Instagram, etc. But let's talk a little bit about uh, about your books. Uh, how many books do you have? And if we can recap, when did yeah. you write your first book? My first book I wrote uh, back in '99. Um, I caught I caught a felony, and uh, they gave me a year, and then I did most of that year on house arrest. They had a program that if you pay X amount of money once a month, you can get an ankle bracelet. So I paid it. I mean, I was at the peak of my career, so. I, I had the money to do it. Why right. sit in a jail somewhere? And um, I'd always wanted to write a book. I'm, I'm a voracious reader. You know, I like reading. So I took that year. Well, it wasn't a full year, you know, but those months. And I wrote my first book, Mist of My Confusion. At that time, I published a thousand books. Um, so recently, 
I re-released it um, as a Audible on Audible as okay. an ebook and as a paperback again. It's on Amazon. It's Barnes and Nobles wherever you find books or ebooks or Audible. And then I re uh, not re but I told my story this on this one. Okay. Uh, this is Lost in the Storm. It's also uh, my my life story. It's also an ebook. Um, I'm trying to get to the point of doing the Audible for it. Okay. You know, another book I have is this uh, Alfonso Gomez. Um, I helped publish and write this one also. Okay. Uh, with Alfonso Gomez, it's his story. Um, it's amazing, amazing story. When he came at me with it, I'm like, man, we got to make this into a book. You know, the third thing I got since you're a movie guy. Yeah. Is uh, I did a Christian film. How, how uh, long ago did you do this? 2013. I believe, I think 2013, I actually had ALG star in it. Okay. And Jose Rosette, the one, the actor I told you about, and I wanted to gift this to you. Awesome. awesome. So you said you like physical copies. Yes, 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 most definitely. Um, that movie, Always With You, is uh, free on YouTube. Always All you got to do is type in, um, I think, Always With You, official film or official movie. Uh-huh. And um, like I said, ALG stars in it, Jose Rosette. Sylvia's in it. There's a lot of us. Awesome. You know, and, and you directed this? Uh, I directed it, edited it along with uh, Scott Youngkite. He's he's a good friend, also another pastor. We wrote it together. We uh, filmed it together. I edited it. That's awesome. Yeah. Subtitles in Spanish. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, everybody, you guys always with you. You guys can get it, watch it on, on YouTube. Yeah. So that's, that's dope. So um, how many books total do you have that you've written? Uh, two. Two okay, that I've two. written, but uh, um, altogether four that I've helped publish. Okay. Yeah, this one and another one um, with uh, Dale Trujillo. Okay. So, yeah, there's four books that we publish now. C can we expect more books in the future? From oh, you? yeah. Yeah. I'm actually making that into a book, into Always a With You. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to have it as a bundle on our website. It's going to have the, if you buy the book, you're going to get the soundtrack and the DVD with it. Uh, the, it's going to be maybe the first 400 or so. Okay. We'll get the whole package like that. Yeah, That's it'll, awesome. it'll be cool. That's awesome. Uh, um, let's jump a little bit into your art. I, I would like to take my time with that because last time we didn't get a chance to even touch on it. And a lot of people that may be watching only think of Sir Dino as a rapper, but not necessarily as an author, pastor, or even an artist. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. W were you always an artist? Never. Okay, explain Never. to us how this came to be. Yeah, I grew up seeing my brother draw. I couldn't, I couldn't draw a stick figure. If I drew a stick figure, I'd do it wrong. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, 2005 when I was in Santa Rita, because I, I did a solitary for a year. Mm -hmm. And when you're in solitary, anybody that's been locked up knows you have to find a program for yourself. If you don't, you will. your days melt into each other. You don't know what's day, you don't know what's night, you don't know what's Monday, you don't know what's Thursday. You don't, and, and I've seen people lose their minds. So you got to have a program. In other words, like for instance, you do breakfast and then you clean your cell and then you write letters and then you read letters then you write a, you read a book. And then, you know, so you find your, your program for the day. It's what keeps you sane. So I thought I want to learn how to draw. So I asked my older brother if he, he says, you know, what do you want me to send you? Send me a book on drawing, pencil drawing, you know? And all they had was those short little golf pencils <laughs> with no eraser. Oh, and you okay. can, I think you could buy erasers separate. And um, so he sent me a book on, on how to draw, and I tried learning. And I literally took that book 
as like a school book. Like it was, I don't know, X amount of chapters. It was, it was drawing animals. Right. So I would not go to the next animal until I mastered the first animal. Really? At the same time, a veterano was right next to me in a cell. And uh, the, the same guy that I told you last time that he, he, he was given, they sent him a wheel out to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> that dude. Right. So, <laughs> so he was an OG next to me. He was doing time in prison. They brought him back to the jail because he had to fight something in court and he was going to go back to prison. Right. He saw that I was trying to learn how to draw and he, he drew, you know, and uh, so he taught me about shading. You know how to make shaders and stuff you just get this like toilet paper and you wrap them up real tight that way you can shade the pencil and he taught me how to make extensions for the pencils because it was too hard to hold the goth pencils so he taught me how to make extensions out of a a, a plain poker card and like a chip bag and just you extend the pencil and put the eraser in the end anyway they showed me a lot of skills so i started learning to draw and this is why he told me he goes david he goes when you get to prison everybody needs a hustle everybody the kitchen guy is still food from the kitchen to make money in the hustle there's people that iron clothes from the inmates that are always getting visits every single week there's people that shine boots there's people that so everyone has a hustle so he goes this will be a good hustle for you because you can make cards you can make drawings for people that way you can get your commissary yeah you know and i thank god i had family that that blessed me but nevertheless i didn't want to only depend on my family so i started learning how to draw and I did that all the way through um, fighting my case in county. And then I finally got to Terminal Island right here, actually not too far right. from here. Right. Um, and I was doing portraits. I would do portraits for $40 a commissary. That's a lot of tunas, man. That's a lot of tunas. Wow. Because that's a big thing there because they have a weight pile. So you want to get tunas for the protein, you know. Um, so I started doing portraits there. And then finally, when I got to camp in, in Atwater, on the commissary, man, they had brushes, canvases, and, and acrylic paint. And I was just like, man, this is tight. So during that year, when I was incarcerated, after I learned the animals, I, I had my brother send me how to do landscapes with pencil. And then the third one, how to draw people. So by the time I went to prison, I knew how to do all those three. You hit all those three, you can pretty much draw anything. Anything. And then once I got to, to camp and they had uh, the brushes and stuff, I'm just like, it's time to raise this raise the bar here right and um i had to relearn how to paint you know and um but i mean i already had the foundation of drawing right, right. and um i've always said in there I, you know all the all, everybody that did time with me they'll be like man that's he was always either he was preaching in the art or he was drawing or painting something that's how i did my time you know and um i always said man when i get out you know uh, it'd be nice to to be an artist it'd be it'll be awesome but i didn't know how to get there Anyways, fast forward, I get out of prison and I found out about an art show. And it's funny, my wife still laughs at me because we have this painting in our living room. So in prison, all the canvases are real small, right? So I was just, I just knew how to, I didn't know how to go big. Right. I didn't have access to an easel. So I learned to paint with, uh, flat on a table. You know, if you see painters, all, they have an easel and it's a big old canvas and right. whatnot. So it was kind of like, because I learned to pencil draw, I would paint it was just a weird way you okay. know an unorthodox way of painting so all of a sudden i want to join this this uh, art show and i'm thinking this is going to be a masterpiece and i'm going to win this thing and it was 20 dollars to enter but there's a huge pot at the end you know and they were going to choose like 40 paintings and i'm like oh for sure i'm, I'm going to win this thing 
you know, and I entered my, my, my painting and a week later, they're like, oh, come pick your painting up. We're going to pay you $20 back. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't want my painting. They didn't want my 20. Wow. I have that painting in my living room right now. What, what was it? Now that I look back, I think the mountain range, it, it, the depth on it and just the way it looked wasn't right. You know, I could see why now. Yeah. So, oh, it was a painting of Yosemite. It was this, this Yosemite, it was these trees and this, this stone bridge and these mountains in the distance. But yeah, it wasn't, I can see why I was giving my 20. But when I was given that 20, I put my stuff away for like a year. I, I said that I'm, I'll really? never do this again for a year. I, I was like, I'm done, you know? And, um, and then once in a while, if it came up, I would do a portrait, I'll do somebody's pet, you know, like very, maybe three paintings a year. And it wasn't until maybe, what, two years ago that um, I was between jobs and um, I had a few things lined up. And it, you know what's weird is a lot of times people, you got to put in years to get better. Yes, yes. Yet there was a long pause, but all of a sudden I did this portrait and it came out way better than I thought. And don't get me wrong, there's always more to evolve. Right. I, five years down the line, I'm gonna look at what I do now and be like, what was I doing? You know, but that's just progression. But nevertheless, you know, I was like, man, this is cool. And somebody was like, man, that's nice. I want one, I want one. I want this or I want that. Next thing you know, it's like I'm backed up two months. Really? Yeah, so here's the thing, man. God will bless you. I told you I don't take a payroll at the church. I don't, I don't, I don't make money off the church. At the same time, when I was working full time, it was a huge strain on me because it's like, man, it's really hard putting in forty hours somewhere plus the commute, plus pastoring a church. I'm like, God, something's got to give here. And all of a sudden, between jobs, I'm doing these little paintings, and and they just, it just started making sense to just stay home and paint because I started making more doing that than working forty hours. Wow. You know, and um, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there's a lot more to go, but I'm, I'm I'm on a good run right now. You know, and it's crazy the fact that when I came here, I didn't even mention it. Right. I didn't even mention it at all because I was so excited just sharing my testimony, talking about God, and and I didn't even mention what it is that put bread on my table. You know, um, you know, like the books and stuff. That that's a blessing and all that. But um, my bread and butter is my art. You know, and um, and uh, I'm hoping someday, you know, like, it's funny because there's artists that say, oh man, you know, to be in the Louvre in, 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 in France where, where, um, where the huge paintings are, but for Chicanos, at least for me, um, man, to the reason I brought up Cheech, Cheech is probably the biggest art collector of Chicano art in the world. Like I, what I heard is he wants to, um, with the city of Riverside, open like some museum of Chicano art or something like that. That would be awesome. You know, so I'm just like, man, I can't wait for the day to Cheech to get a hold of me. <laughs> so if anybody knows Cheech, just saying, man. <laughs> you know, but um, but I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about local artists. There's a huge Chicano art, you know, here in the Los Angeles. Huge. San Diego. Yeah. Um, we went to Chicano Park for the first time. When was that? Two years ago? That was amazing. Like I've heard about it all my life, you know, Lowrider Magazine and, and things like that. I would see that, you know, but we finally got to go and just walk through under the freeways and see all that beautiful art. You know, San Francisco, San Jose up north has a huge, um, just art, you know, and, um, 
it, it's 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 been amazing. You know what I mean? It's been amazing, and and uh, what's transpiring. I'm now in two galleries. Uh, one in Stockton, where I live, is called the Galleria. Another one is in Jamestown. Most people know Jamestown because of prison, right? Right. But actually, there's a little town, um, historic town of Jamestown. There's a there's a gallery there. Um, as of last week, they gave me a whole section now, so um, it's going in a really really good direction. Actually, awesome, awesome. So, how many years total now have you been? I've been painting. I started, well, I started drawing in 2005. Okay. But I started painting in 2000. 2007 end of 2007 okay so that's 13 years so so and you brought some of that art with you yeah yeah i did yeah okay. i did um you care to show it off yeah yeah this one i'm not sure how because i know there's a glare if not you maybe you could put it right let me move this out the way maybe. There's a, i brought three of them okay i don't know if you guys can see it but maybe put it in the middle johnny and um, so okay, this tell us what's here. This is actually it's called La Máquina. Okay. This was actually a photo of my dad because my dad was a farmer, and um, he drove that tractor. Awesome. And this means a lot to me, man, because of of just the tomato fields and, and the history uh, of my grandparents working in the tomato fields. Uh, my, well, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles, myself a little bit, my dad, you know. And when I see this, it brings a good thoughts to me because i remember to this day when i see the trucks full yeah. of tomatoes man um it just brings good good memories awesome you know so that's one thing that i have awesome and the frame is nice and uh, uh your instagram is popping up so if anybody wants to dm you maybe to buy a portrait off of you yeah you know? yeah it's uh, david rocha art yeah this is a big one this one actually is sold but i asked the guy before i mail it wow. can i please show it on tony a and he's like yeah 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 but I do have more. There's um, there's only 50 of these made, and some of them are gone already. Oh, wow. So this one is Selena. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So I wanted to give her a tribute. Uh, the Galleria in Stockton, um, there was a, a car show, and they blocked the whole street. And he goes, man, I want you to paint me a big Selena. This is the, the original, which I just sold, was like three times the size or two times the size. Uh, this is a print. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, there's only 50 of these, and um, I've already sold a few, but... Um, is now, now, what does something like this go for? Go this for, one? If you don't want to give the price... This, no, this one's $480. Really? Yeah. See, in the back, it comes with a certificate of authenticity. Okay. This is number four. And you sell those? Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. a blessing right there. Yeah. Dang. And I got one more to show you. Yes. This one is also a print. None of these are the originals. Okay. This one is number one out of only 10. I'm only making 10 prints of these. The original is sold already. These frames are dope too. Did yeah. you, do you pick out these frames the too? The frames are made by Gavino at the Galleria. The dude is, I, I he always laughs when I'm like, dude, you're the best framer in the world. Yeah, these are dope. You know? Because um, it matches He the custom painting. makes these frames. Every single, this isn't a frame that you're gonna go to Michael's and just pop your, right. your thing in. So this is the number one. This is not sold yet. The original sold, but this is one out of ten. You know. So yeah. this was actually somebody else painted this years ago. Right. I'm sure you've seen that before. Yes. Yes. But the guy that wanted it, he said, "I really like that." He was, but I want it painted in your style. I want you to paint it for me. And I'm like, man, that's kind of weird painting somebody else's art. 
you know, but nevertheless, <clears throat> I did it. The, he's happy with it. I actually have it in the car. I'm about to deliver it to him on the way home tomorrow. The original. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, there's only going to be 10 of these and that's it. Wow. So these come with certificates okay. about this authenticity. And what does that one go for? This one? Yeah. Um, this one is actually uh, 220. Okay. Yeah. Th that way in case uh, um, some of these rolling, uh, warriors need to save up. So I did bring some for you though. For reals? Oh yeah. man. I want to gift this to you. Oh wow. It's uh, I don't know if that's too close right there, Johnny. I want to give that to Rhodium Radio. It's the number six print. There's 195 of those. This is number six. And um, yeah, man, I just wanted to give that to you and my from my wife and I. Thank you. I wanted that's to bless awesome. you with that. Um, this style of paint, it's it's kind of a quick style because uh -huh. if you notice, there's huge brush strokes if you really look at it. Uh -huh. uh, because I kind of feel like nobody knows what Jesus looks like. Right. So how am I going to add detail to someone that nobody knows what he looks like? So I'm just like, I just wanted to be led and let the brush do what the brush did. Awesome. And you autographed it too. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Wow. I'm going to place this right here. Wow. That, that's awesome. First of all, let me say, thank, thank you. I'm humbled. That's, that's an amazing gift. Thank you very, very yeah. much. Now I have your art. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, it's just gonna go more, you know. Like I said, I'm waiting for that cheech call. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I have a question about this picture, okay? Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting. Um, there's no description, mm -hmm. you know, in all 66 books of the Bible mm -hmm. of what Jesus looks like. Okay. Yeah. There's no description. Now we could talk about the Book of Revelation when it talks about woolly hair, yeah. eyes of fire, feet of burnt bronze, and all that stuff, but that means something totally different. Yeah. Okay. But there's no description. I, I, I wonder why. You ever thought about that? I think because he's 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 meant to be universal. He's meant to be, you know, like I, I heard that the like Asian people paint him to look Asian. Right. You know, black people paint him to look black because he's all things for all, for everyone. And, 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 and Chicanos will call him Jesus. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, I mean, if we really go down to it, I mean, in actuality, I mean, he couldn't have been blue-eyed and blonde no, because he, we know the region where he came from. He was a Jewish man, yeah. you know, so um, we don't know what he looked like, but we can guess by just the region right. and the geographically what he looked like. Right, right. Uh, but Isaiah 53 does describe that he was somebody that wasn't anything special. Right. You know. And, and, and I think it was important for it to be left like that. Yeah. You know. I agree. Um, but one day, I guess, if... Uh, People are blessed enough; they'll see them, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I, I some think, will. I think everyone's going to see them, regardless. The Bible says, "Every knee shall bow, and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord." Um, whether you're going to bow now or bow later, I, I'd rather bow to Him as my Lord than bow to Him later as my judge. Wow, you heard that here <laughs> on Rolling Radio. So, uh, no, I'm glad it, you're you're yeah. you're sharing that because I do believe that there's people out there that totally expect this this interview to take a different turn, but really you're ministering to people out there that need to hear it yeah. you know there's probably somebody out there that maybe at one point either was suicidal suicidal now or going through something and they're looking for hope yeah you know yeah, and i understand i understand even even those that are commenting negatively i get it man it, it, it's something fun to do it's sunday night you're bored you probably got no girlfriend so you're just sitting there bored and and just and it's just fun to just 
but here's the thing. Here's the reality of it. All, all, all flood aside, man, is that if you truly are broken, if you truly are looking for a better way and something, man, I, I don't. It doesn't matter what you said about me in the comments. It's all good. It, it's fine. Get it out of your system. Go ahead. But reach out to me if you really want to change and change something, you know. And um, and we will be there. And not. And, right. and I know I'm not speaking just myself. I'm speaking for ALG too. Right. You know. Um. He he leads a a group out of his home too. So he. He shares his heart, shares his life too, you know. And there's other men and there's other women in the church that were, that are willing to to answer these messages, you know. All fun aside, you know, I, I get it. You know, it's it's right. funny, it's funny to say what they want to say, but the reality is that most of the time people are broken and they're lonely and they're hurting because the hurt people hurt people, right? You know, and and they don't want to see you happy, so they want to hurt you with comments, and they don't want to see me happy. And here's the thing, I don't live in this bubble of of Chicano rap, God has uh, uh, um, brought something amazing to my life, you know. And regardless of how many days I have in my life, whether I live to tonight or or another, you know, couple decades, it doesn't matter. I feel fulfilled and I feel happy and I feel joy and I, I have a, an amazing partner in my life and I have kids that I love and 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 parents. I still have both of them, you know what I mean? So. I can't be sitting around negative and and waste wow. my time with that man. There's too life is too good. Uh, to waste the time on negativity because the fact is we all we're all going to check out someday and, and I don't want to check out from this world just being a hater and being angry and being bitter all yeah. the time I mean I mean, what do you want to say in your tombstone he was hard but he was also a hater yeah. like <laughs> like, like I, don't, I don't get it you know yeah. here's my thing If I, one day when I'm long gone I want to be missed I, I really do want to be missed yeah. that way I know I, I made some type of impact in somebody's life yeah. you know I've known people sad to say that I passed away and people still talk trash about them. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want that to be my legacy, you know? Exactly. Uh, I was 22 years old when somebody told me this and uh, I never forgot it because at that time I was still trying to be from the hood as far as, you know, trying to be a knucklehead. L let me, yeah. I'll just say it that way. And this man, uh, I don't consider him a Christian or whatnot. I consider him a man of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. And here's what he told me. He said, um, if you were to die today, do you think you'll go to heaven? That's what he told me. And I said, here's what's my answer. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he said, oh, why do you think that? And I said, yeah. well, because I believe my good outweighs the bad. Yeah. That's what I said. I believe my good outweighs the bad. Like if God had a scale, yeah. you know, and then he said, um, really, you think so? He said, well, I'm going to tell you something. He said, there are no good uh, good people in heaven. Yeah. That's what he said. That's what he told me. Now, it shocked me when he said that because I thought I was good enough. Yeah. He said, there are no good people in heaven. So I didn't know what to say. And so I said, well, who's in heaven? Mm. And here's what he said. Those that have been forgiven. That's good. And he said, have you been forgiven? That's what he told me. That's powerful. And, and, and let me tell you, it, it, it rocked me because I, I didn't have a comeback. Yeah. And I was one of those guys that could freestyle lies. I could freestyle <laughs> anything, but yeah. I couldn't. You know, you can't hustle a man of God. Yeah, You can't. So I just said, oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So I say that to people that, that may um, try to come against you still or whatnot because of your past. Here's my thing. And it's a dangerous place to be in. Who am I to withhold forgiveness from you if God has already forgiven you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm the one that's going to be found guilty for still holding on for stuff that you've already been forgiven about. Yeah. 
you know? Uh, so we'll leave it at that. And, and those are things that this gentleman shared with me who eventually ended up not only educating me, yeah. but became my mentor. Yeah. You know, he, he said one time, you know, God will take, you know, all your sins and bury them in the deepest ocean and he'll put a sign there, no fishing. <laughs> That's good. Man, you give me all kinds of sermon ideas. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to say this real quick before I forget. Is, okay. is a lot of times when you, you know, Sunday night, you know, we, we have service on Sunday. We go home. My wife and I are relaxing. And um, and I put your show on, on the big screen. And a lot of times, man, a lot of the people that are here, regardless of how they're acting, your guests, one thing that God has given us discernment. And I see people joking with you. I see people with sunglasses. And here's the thing. They're hiding behind something because there's hurt. And they will never know how my wife and I will start to pray while you're live for the person as your guest. You know, one specific person is, is when ALT, I put him on. I hear the story about his daughter. You know, and I'm just like, man. And we started praying for him live. And I know he was drinking. I know, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God wants us to come the way we are. Let him do the changing. Let God do the things. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of times, bro, that I'm telling you that, and, and, and yourself too, that we pray for you. And we pray for the guests you have, regardless of who it is. I don't care. It doesn't matter who. People always want to plot things against. Oh, you're from up north and this person. Man, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, and I will, I pray for people that, that I probably had something against when I was Sir Dino, but Sir Dino died. And, I, and sometimes people try to get a rise out of Sir Dino. I'm like, you're not going to get it because he died because he, he was buried when he was baptized and Jesus and, and, and David came out. Right. You know, people try to get under my skin, under my skin. I'm like, it's, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? So it's like, I just want you to know and all your previous guests to know and future guests to know that that we are interceding and praying for the people that are here and for your show. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to recommend uh, before you give your shout outs or for your last words uh, to everybody who's tuned in. I'm going to recommend a book that's uh, very, very dear to me. It's a book called... Uh, why Revival Terries by uh, Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite authors. Yeah. When you read this book, you're going to think John the Baptist wrote it. <laughs> so I'll leave it at What's that. What's the title again? Why Revival Terries. Okay. Okay. So I'll leave you with that. And go ahead. The floor is yours if you want to say anything to anyone. Oh, well, I think we got a little too late, so it's okay. Why? Is anybody asking? <laughs> okay, let's give them a couple of calls. Let's give them a couple of While calls. you're setting that up, I just want to give a shout out to those that are House of Rest Church and those that are our House of Rest Church that are actually um, that watch online. People that have never never stepped into into the church, you know. And a shout out to anybody that's ever supported what it is that we do. So this is how I hear the calls. Okay, make sure to turn up the headphone, Jack. Okay. Yo, yo, let us know when you got a caller. Okay, hello, hello, caller. Uh, uh, you got a question for uh, David uh, pertaining to music or? I yeah. do, um, David and Tony. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, well, I can hear you. Oh, right on. Um, big shout out, man. Um, the ghost of Dino, that's what's up. <laughs> and 
Tony just for keeping um, the Chicano voice on the map. Um, I wanted to just get your guys' opinion on how to progress our youth from like the old school prison politics playing out into the streets and like being able to unite the youth voice without that kind of like correction system politics where it's very um, divisive and, and hurting a lot of people in the community. I just wanted to hear what your opinion was. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's a tough one. And David, you want to take that one? Uh, I, I, I'll summarize it really quick. Is this is I think that uh, if you're talking about Chicanos, Latinos, here's the thing, man, we are very gifted. If you just look at our culture and look at the things that we create and things that we do, um, it, it's it's an outlet. You know, I was just saying that to to Tony and Sylvia and, and my wife on the way over here is that art is art, man. Whether it's music or writing books or painting a portrait or whatever, it's in our blood. You know, it, that's why when you go down, for instance, Chicano Park, all the colors and all the vibrance and this and that, there's so much expression in, in us. You know what I mean? We are very passionate people. And I think by directing young people to do things, whether it's it's pottery or painting or writing or rapping or whatever it is, that outlet is already there within us. You know, so that's what I would say. Well, you, I couldn't have said it. Word. I couldn't have said it any better. So I hope that. That's, that's a great outlet. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a couple of more calls. My apologies. I wasn't trying to hold you up. So No, I'm good. I mean, I can go on all night, but anybody else want to call? David, something uh, pertaining to music or whatever, to his ministry. Call, are you there? Hello, this is Tony Palello, Phoenix. Hey, Tony. I'm here. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? Praise the Lord. Hey, Phoenix, Arizona. House Arrest Church in Phoenix. Boom! That's what I want to say. <laughs> Awesome. God bless you guys. Awesome. Hey, guys. Love. love you, man. Love you Dopest. too. Dopest dude on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's get another call. Okay, right now is your time. You guys want to call? Go ahead. Okay, caller, you there? You got a question for David pertaining to music, whatever. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Tony A. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. David D calling here from Nampa, Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Wanna, uh, give a shout out to, yeah, yeah. Um, originally from Santa Rosa, Northern California. I uh, want to give a shout out to David, Pastor David, to uh, ALG. Just want to say, you know, proud of you guys for, you know, keeping it real and just seeing how you guys are doing right now in life. You know, it's a, it's a big inspiration, man. man. To Tony, been watching you for a year, brother. You know, this is the best show right now going on on YouTube, on TV. Watch it all the time, brother. Awesome, man. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. We greatly appreciate oh, yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one more thing, I want to give a shout out to my primo, Sal Cruz, aka Talksbox, out there in LA. One love. That's a blessed night. Awesome. You have a blessed one. Okay. Take a couple of more calls. Uh, let us know when somebody's calling. Caller, are you there? You got a question for David pertaining to either his church, music, art, whatnot. Hello? Yes, how's it going? Uh, good, good. How you doing? Uh, you got a question for David uh, pertaining to his art, church, yes, uh, music? 
I had a question for you. Um, I was wondering if you watched the, the Chicano lifestyle, the Chicano style interview with ALG and how he put you on the, on his, uh, mountain, much, much more, much more. You know what? Let me tell you something. That was very, very humbling. And I'm glad you brought that up so I can acknowledge it because that was amazing. somebody sent that to me and I just thought that was amazing. I'm the kind of person I'm just going to be re real honest with you. I'm a very humble and modest person. A lot of people know that a lot of people get mad at me for being that way, but that's just the way I was raised. Okay. And, uh, sure. um, no, that was, that was amazing. when I heard that it, it to me, uh, I had no words, but I was grateful and thankful that somebody actually even thought or considered me to be a part of something like that. So, so thank you, LG. No, for sure. And one for, uh, one for, for David, uh, I was wondering if you could share a story, uh, Pollo Loco, a Pollo Loco story. Yeah, Pollo Loco was actually a darkroom artist. Um, he was murdered, actually. Uh, he was shot in the back. But uh, Pollo Loco was, in, in, in my book, um, he was probably one of the greatest, I'm not talking about just Chicano, one of the greatest rappers ever to hit a mic. This guy would he would come into this room and freestyle for an hour about everything in the room and everything you're wearing so you knew it wasn't written right he would just come off the top of the dome um he was a great guy unfortunately addiction got to him and uh and it caused a separation from dark room but i will say this is that even though we split ways when he was killed his family the first person they got a hold of was me and i'm the one that officiated his funeral um and um, wow. man, he was an amazing, amazing artist and a, and a good friend. And uh, I miss him. Thank you for That's your awesome. question. Thank Carla. you. Thank you. Uh, David, I hope we get you out at, at Adventure Church in uh, Fresno sometime. Oh, all right. Thank you. Peace out here. All right. Okay, we're going to take a couple of more calls, maybe about two to three more, and then we'll call it a wrap because I got to be considerate of David's time. So. Caller, are you there? And any questions pertaining to David uh, for his church, art, uh, music? Hey, Tony. What's up, man? How you doing? Um, hey, Tony. I just want to let you know, man. Uh, I tune into the show. I love your show, bro. I catch each and every show. And when I don't catch it, you better believe I'm watching it later on that day. Oh, catching up on it. Thank uh, you. I love what you're doing. You're bringing the rasa back together. You know what I mean? I mean, I love respect for you. And to do that, I just want to say a nice salute to you. Um, I, I'm a, I, I, well, I'm a reformed, uh, change my, I'm a change man, I changed my life around, and, uh, you know, um, I grew up hating you, bro, in prison, and I never even knew you. But be, just because, you know, I was a Sureño and you're a Norteño, you know, my mind was warped into thinking the way we think, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but growing up and seeing your change and me growing up within myself, it changes everything. And I used to think to myself, like, why, why do I hate this dude? Why did I hate him? I don't, I don't even know the dude. But because of implementing in my mind growing up to think a certain way and to do certain things, it, um, it, it, it controls our, our thinking and our ways and how we are, you know, but <clears throat> I just want to say that, you know, I see you're, you're a change man, you're a man of God and just want to salute and, uh, you know, respect going to you. And I want to say something, you said something real, uh, very valuable. You said, us and Mexicanos, we have such talent. And you want to know something? I was just telling somebody that not so long ago. I go, I go, we got Mexico right there. And I said, it's so, it, it's either you're rich there or you're poor. And uh, uh, La Raza is so talented. I mean, so damn talented. I mean, 
to Mickey Chunkos to saying the best dope in the world. I mean, you know what I mean, though? But we, we're talented in so many ways. Food, clothes, everything, everything. But I said to, I said to that person, I said, why is Mexico so fucking poor? It makes no sense. Our people have so much, but we do not, we're like crabs in that bucket. Mm-hmm. Pulling each other down. You know what I mean? And um, I think that was a real good thing that you had said, man. And uh, just my respect to you and and uh, your, your future endeavors. And, and, and uh, Tony, much love, homeboy. I'm a little nervous right now. And, and Tony, I'm the one that uh, I'm the one that cussed out uh, 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 Royal T because he was disrespecting your show, homie. I'm I'm a warrior, tonight. You know yes. what I mean? And uh, I had to put his ass to this place because he was over there, you know, uh, 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 saying what he was saying. Uh, you know, like t- trying to take control of your show. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to tell him something. Excuse my language, uh, you know. But you know what I mean? I said, man, I'm going to go tell that fool something. This is Tony's show. He's a fool better relax. You know what I mean? All good, man. It's the 90s. <laughs> um, all good. But, um, hey, all love, homie. I love your show. You guys take care. I just want to say my little few words and that's it, man. Muchas gracias, I was, I, was, I was hoping I wasn't blocked. No. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to quickly tell you, man. Thank you for your words. That's very encouraging. God bless you. Uh, we're gonna just continue to have you in our prayers and everything that that you said, man. Really, you don't understand that just those words you're saying to me is is what dismantles walls and breaks walls down, man. Because there's no reason for us to be apart, man. We're all we're all the same. We grew up with arroz. We grew up with beans. We grew up with tortillas. And um, and the struggle is real. The struggle is real, and we need to better our people and 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 create opportunities mm-hmm. for us. So thank you, man. Thank you for your call. Thank you, bro. All right, all right. Okay, we'll take about two more phone calls, Johnny boy. Uh, caller, a question for David pertaining to Bazaar Church music. Caller, hello, you there? Hello? Yes. Hello, your question. You yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, your question. How's it going, David? I'm a big fan. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm a changed man as well. Um, I started reading my Bible a, a while ago. Um, about two years ago, I got into Bible study. Uh, but recently, man, I kind of fell out. Um, you know, I kind of stopped reading the Bible. I kind of went back to my ways because I felt like, like, all that praying wasn't getting me nowhere, you know. I feel like I was on my knees begging for help, and uh, and never got my prayers answered. Um, never saw any real change, so I just kind of like oh, I'm not gonna be on my knees begging for help all the time, you know. And I never get any help. And I was just wondering if you had anything to say about that. That we pray and pray sometimes, but we don't, we don't, we don't ever see any any real change happen. Can you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What I would say is, um, can you email me? And reach out to me. Let me know you're the one that called. It's uh, houseofrestchurch at gmail.com. And that way we, we could just talk okay. you know, privately between us. I would love to talk to you and encourage you and just kind of, you know, just talk over some things, man. Uh, just let me know on the email and just say, yeah, it's me that called in. House okay, of, and it's, I'm from uh, Yuba City. Cal- yeah, houseofrestchurch at gmail.com. Uh, Yuba City, California. Yeah, you ain't too far from me, man. So, so there's you're no from, reason. You're, that, still, you're still leaving Huh? You still live in Stockton? Yeah, I live in Stockton, so you're not you too far from me. Stockton? Yeah. Okay, okay. Make cool, sure cool. you reach out to All me, right, man. man. You guys have a good night. Hey, Tony, good show, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, one, one more? Yeah, one more. 
Caller, are you there? No, they're not on yet. Okay, here we go. Okay, last caller. Uh, you got a question uh, to David pertaining to the music, church, you know, art? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a question. Uh, if you had a... Yeah. If you had a, any stories on uh, Low Cuddy Face and ASOG. Yeah, I haven't seen Cuddy Face in years. Low, unfortunately, passed away. Um, Eclipse from Darkroom is the one that let me know. It was a, it was a huge, that's a huge blow, man, because Low uh, Carlos was a really good dude, and uh, unfortunately he passed away a few months ago. Hello. Yeah, and uh, do you still keep in touch with Mr. Keith? No, um, I've talked to him a couple times. The only one I keep, uh, I'd really talk to in Darkroom. That was in Darkroom or is currently in Darkroom was obviously, you know, ALG here. Um, also from Darkroom, um, Eclipse from Darkroom. I'm trying to think um, anybody. Oh, uh, um, there's just a handful of people, man. Uh, the ones that I haven't talked to are Duke and Crooked. Those are the ones I haven't talked to. I'd love to talk to them, actually. Uh, I miss them, guys. Um, I haven't spoke to them, but everybody else, KID, um, I pretty much uh, either... I have them on Facebook, or I actually have their number. Awesome. All right, man. Thank, thank, you, man. thank you for calling, man. You have a blessed night. Okay. We're good. We're good. Okay. We'd like to give people an opportunity. I, I just didn't want to take up your time. No, that's cool, man. Okay, so, David, any anything else you want to share before I give my shout-outs, and then we call it a uh, If you like the art. Uh, it's David Rocha Art on Instagram. Okay. Uh, it's also on Facebook, David Rocha Art on Facebook. Um, and also on YouTube, I just started a David Rocha Art on YouTube, just like last week. Uh, but other than that, if you want to follow the church, which I would love for you to do, um, it's uh, if you go on YouTube, it's David Rocha, just after my name. Every single Sunday morning, we do a live service. Every single Wednesday night, we do a, a Wednesday night Bible study live. And Monday through Friday, every single day, my wife and I do a devotional. We actually record it at night, release it at 3 in the morning. That way people can watch it when they get up. Something It's always an encouraging word, something to just kind of start the day off. And that's something my wife and I do. We're at video. We're almost going to hit 400, right? And um, so, yeah, David Rocha YouTube, art, uh, David Rocha Art on YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, the Instagram is, is popping up okay, on, the, on okay. the screen. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, we have a website. Also the website, houseofrestchurch.com. And there you're going to find the books. You're going to find music links to the song. There's a couple songs uh, that we did, a song that I did with Tony, a um, song I did with, with my wife, Sharon. Uh, so even the, the Christian album I did back 2013, more information about the movie Always With You, the one that's on YouTube now, because that's going to be made into a, a novel and in, uh, about to release that pretty soon, actually. So there's awesome. a lot of things that we're doing, you know. Awesome. Awesome. David, thank you very much for coming again. Thank you for the second invite, man. Oh, thank you for coming. It won't be the last, okay? Yeah. Probably won't be the last threat either, but don't, <laughs> it's all good. AOG, thank you very much. Thank you very much for making this happen. It, uh, it's been an amazing night. And I want to thank all of you guys that have made this happen. Um, you know, all the Rodeo Radio Warriors, thank you for tuning in. Everybody talking crap, thank you for tuning in. You still tuned in. So uh, thank you for all the callers, okay? Yeah. And uh, John Elkins.
John, that guy's the, the Steve Jobs of the city of Torrance. Yeah. Yeah. We're going places. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, give a shout out to uh, my boy DG, Daniel Jones. Uh, DG Media Clips on Instagram. Give a shout out to my son, Be Scandalous, for helping me promote this. Other than that, Wednesday, 2 to 4, Dr. Green Thumb with Be Real Papa. I'm going to be there and uh, we're going to chill. We're just going to talk. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a great time. So meet me there at Be Real's uh, YouTube channel, Dr. Green Thumb, on w this Wednesday. Then we're going to come back here and we're going to go live and we're going to give all of you guys a treat. Okay? You got to stay tuned. Okay? 7 o'clock Wednesday. I'll be posting it up tomorrow, so uh, we're going to go live, and you guys will be blessed. So without, without further ado, have a blessed night. We'll see you guys Wednesday. All right.